My friends, welcome back to Armor Party, a show about the costumes and costumers of the Star Wars saga. I am your host, Mike Forster. Hey, my sincere apologies about last week's delay. We had some technical difficulties, and I'd be lying if I said that I understood exactly what happened, but we were able to recover this amazing conversation from what I thought was surely crushed away in the trash compactor of the Death Star. My guest was on the West Coast and has a pretty busy schedule, so... We recorded it really late at night, especially I'm on the East Coast, and I was recovering from an upper respiratory bug, so bear with me during this one. This podcasting side hobby is no joke, but the show must go on. Now, this is a long conversation, and actually, I think it's our longest yet. For the sake of getting it out there, we're just going to run it. No editing, no mystery, just two people talking about passion, craft, and maybe with a little skateboarding mixed in. Enjoy our 10th episode with the most helpful Panda Props. Let's dive in. A name recognized by many, there are few Legionnaires who are as patient, talented, and dedicated to the hobby of Star Wars costuming as my next guest. A man of many suits, all worn to perfection, he has the understanding to break down what we see on screen and share with the community how it's done. His depiction of Rogue One's Chirrut Imwe will make you believe that the wills of the Force are certainly with him, but his honesty and helpful YouTube channel will let you walk right alongside him. We're sending it all the way up to the Pacific Northwest in the beautiful city of Vancouver, Canada, known most popularly by his moniker of Panda Props. Today, we are joined by the oh-so-talented Terry Chu. Terry, welcome to the Armor Party. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's quite the intro. Well, Terry, you know, you've, you've, you've been doing this for long enough and I feel like I have, I have consumed so much of your content that I had to give you a proper intro. So I hope, thank you so much. I I hope, I hope that was it. But Terry, I, I'm so glad to get you on the show. You know, I, I, I think through whether it was the forums and I've kind of adapted to some of the Facebook groups and it's always really cool to see the same names keep popping up that are providing great information because, you know, the way that we're really starting to see how people are breaking down costumes and having conversations are changing. And in some ways I know that it's frustrating for some people because, you know, the archival process of our old forums and all that. But I think that I was turned on to your work uh, in the Moss Eisley Police Department, which for people who are listening, oh. they break down a lot of our, our armor groups into different focus groups, essentially. And so if you're listening and going, what the heck is the Moss Eisley Police Department? Well, you can probably figure out that it's the Sand Troopers. And Terry, your models and your layouts that showed all the different variations of the Sand Troopers, I remember joining up and and going through the forums and learning how to build sand trooper armor and i went who made these layouts because this right. is so helpful and i yeah. see all these people terry you're great you're great and i said well who the heck is this guy and i go to find out that you know you're a skateboarder and you've done skateboard yeah. graphics and i'm like terry you're you're my kind of people that's awesome 
Awesome. Yeah, I know this is, I don't know how far you want to get into that, but I mean, I, I made those in like 2010, those graphics of, of like, and it, you know, it's just one of those things where when I'm researching something, I, I go very deep, right? Yeah. I go like really, really deep. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, why? There's this thing, there's this thing that I find is very common with like the effects makeup industry, or it, it used to start way back with the effects makeup industry, where people didn't share things, right? So we're talking way back in the day, whatever, like 50s, sure. 60s, someone comes up with a latex formulation to make like monster noses or something. And then it's like, oh, they're going to protect that formula because that's their livelihood, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. their career. That's their legacy. Sure. So there's this thing back then that developed around the makeup industry of like, well, you got to protect, you got to keep your secrets. You got to keep your secrets right. closed. Right. And then, you know, nowadays you have this whole other end of the spectrum, which is like people that share 3d model and print stuff. It'll be like, Oh, right. look, I made a stand for my iPad. Here you go. Like this, throw yeah. it up on Like, don't even give me a dollar. Like right. it's just like, it's this, it's this whole sharing, sharing, sharing thing. And sure. so I've kind of experienced that whole breadth and depth of it but um no that was a really fun time again i don't know how far you want to get into right now but that was a really it was just a really good time like making a sand trooper and just sharing that with everyone well i think too looking at those groups and and you know for people who are getting into costuming we've often referred new members to you know that was kind of the part that rubbed me the wrong way about the legion in some ways was that right there's some of our older members had felt like you had to kind of go through this gauntlet Mm-hmm. Sitting in front of your computer and learning, you gotta learn. You gotta this pay stuff. your dues. Learn yeah, all the names. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And yep. <clears throat> so there was a part of me that always kind of felt like when when then there would be this really helpful layout. Like you you had these great, you know, here's the pauldron color. It's orange, white, right. or black. And then you've got the you know the certain ammo pouches aren't there. And we've got you know, and it was laid out so well that you could figure out exactly what you needed. Sure. Versus someone going, oh, did you miss that? At the you know the roadblock captain doesn't have that you know, and and, right. and it was so helpful as right. a younger costumer getting into it. And now I'm you know almost done with my fourth costume, but it's really cool to be able to talk to you and and I see your name pop up all the time, and it, I'm I'm so happy when I see your name pop up in some of the groups because I'm like, oh, Terry's here, good. I can annoy him about this costume <laughs> that I'm really into. That's great. So it's 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 awesome. So, but Terry, I, what I'd love to know is. Before we sure. get into all of this this great stuff that I know that you and I are going to absolutely love to talk about, what is your what is your background as a as a creative? Sure. Because you you ha- I go to your your website and I'm like, holy cow, this guy has done it all, all over the place. Yeah, I love so that. I mean, um, let's go back. It's I mean, so I was I was I'm 50 now, so I was born in 71. There you go. I'm not afraid of my whole age thing right you Race know it, I'm like baby. A fine wine it yes gets, gets better with age absolutely um, and um no i mean i was drawing all the time as a kid like my parents always knew that i would have something to do with art right so sure. literally every time we'd go out for you know this is like pre yeah i date like my daughter's got all these like crazy craft things and stuff like literally my dad would give me his pen out of his pocket at a restaurant and i would draw on napkins like that was sure. just that was my jam. That's what I would do. And um, so I would just draw all the time. And, you know, I, I have a big, came from a big family. I got six siblings. I'm number seven. I was the youngest one. And um, my parents were, were, you know, they're an old school generation, right? So they're, you know, first generation immigrant parents. So, like, I, I wasn't like a 
hey, you know, for Christmas, I want this. And for birthday, I want this. It's like, I didn't, I didn't really ask. I didn't feel it was my place to ask for sure. It was just a stricter, stricter upbringing, right? Yeah. Yeah. You sort of get what you get and and that's great. And, you know, my family, uh, my parents had a lot of kids to, 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 you know, uh, what you you get is what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, you know, things are tough, but, um, I, so I would make things, you know, like if I wanted a Spider-Man mask, I'm like, I don't even know. It literally, like, I flip through the Sears Christmas Wish catalog. I'm like, oh my god, they have like Spider Man pajamas with a mask. Well, I'm not going to ask for that. That's not my place to ask for that. So I'd sure. be like, what do I? What? Do I, okay, red construction paper. I'm going to draw the face, cut it out, put the elastic. Literally, like that's those are some of my earliest memories of like there you go, like costume and cosplay. I would literally take like a yarn, a, a, a ball of yarn, and I would like tie the end of it to my wrist and then ball the rest that, up. That's and then your go, web shooter, man. Right, that's yeah, my web there shooter. You go. Yeah. This is how you play in the neighborhood. You don't, right. you know. And I, I, I see. I have vivid memories of that, like the Sears Christmas Wish catalog. They had these like superhero dress up things. Do you remember these at all? And it, like, if you wanted to be Batman, it had like a plastic mask. Yeah, like a utility belt. It would have Half like mask, little. Yeah, yeah. Devices and things mm-hmm. like little, you know. So, and I'm like, these are amazing. But again, wasn't my place to ask for that. So I would always make things, and so I mean, I always drew and sketched and um, and just made things at home. And then, uh, you know, I think the first big thing that made a huge impact for me was Star Wars. Right. So sure. I'm six years old. I think my family knew that. You know, this is like it's crazy. Like no one's ever seen anything like this. Terry's going to eat this up, yeah. go to the theater, watch it. Of course it's huge. And you know, I'm sure like millions of other kids, their drawings were like black construction paper. Yeah. You know, tie fighters on one side, X wings on the other, it's just red and yellow lines going back yeah, and forth. Right, like right, every right. kid drew that. And I did yeah. too. I was one of them. And, um, that I think it's just, it was a very, I think nowadays, you know, you have kids that are like, oh, they're really into Harry Potter or whatever. Like they find their thing and yeah. they're like so into that or Jurassic Park, whatever. Um, and for me and, and and a lot of kids, it was Star Wars because we'd never seen anything like that, right? Space was a huge topic of interest at the time, space exploration. But like of course. this galaxy far, far away, never seen anything like that. And um, so, yeah, it had a huge impact on me. And I was always continued to make things, continued to draw things. I loved the idea of... I didn't even know who did it, right? But like, someone designs these costumes. Like, this is amazing, right? Yeah, so yeah. I just um, kind of continued making stuff. And the, basically, like, all through high school, I literally took, like, every art class and every graphic design class in every year, like, all the way through. Because that was, you know, the, the there was no making of, you know, costume things or anything. And, and right. not to say that I... I ended up getting into graphic design and illustration, right? Because I was I was quite good at that. And sure. um, um, but literally, yeah, just every single class, and I was always the one that was hanging around, you know, after school in the graphics class. I was like screen printing. You know, here's the thing, right? Like I couldn't. I was a skateboarder, like you said. I still am. I couldn't afford. I didn't have a job at the time. I couldn't afford the cool shirts kids were wearing, right? Like sure. Vision, Vision, or Pal Peralta or something. So I would like go <laughs> right. through magazines and I would take the logos, and I would make my own screens in graphics class, and I would screen print my own shirts. I would go down to Army and Navy, which is kind of like um, you know, like a, a, a Woolworths kind of like a yeah. like a lower end store, right? Sure. And I would buy like factory second T-shirts for like three or four dollars. And then I would screen print them and I would sell them to friends, you know? So here I was at like 
15 years old, that's kind of, I was like, hey, graphic design, this is, I could do something with this. People want this, right? You had so, the Lance Mountain Hustle going on. You're selling, I did. You're, you're selling Caballero knockoffs. I mean, this is it. This is it <laughs> I right here. I wasn't really so much trying to like, make a knockoff of the thing it was sure. for one sometimes there were graphics that you couldn't find uh, on a shirt yeah. so like it'd be some crazy you know drawing in a skateboard magazine or something and it's like that doesn't exist on a shirt so i would like make a screen yeah and I feel good making that. that yeah sure yeah yeah and then um i mean yeah i remember being like 15 16 there's a skateboard shop in town you're hanging out there and i was like do you guys have any stickers and they're like no we haven't we just opened. We don't have any stickers. I'm like, do you want? So I could make you stickers. So like, I would make stickers in the high school yes. class, yeah, print them and bring them. And like, I I sold them to them, right? So I was sort right. of like very early on. I got into, hey, you know, maybe this graphic design thing. I there's a possible career here, and I think I kept my parents happy too, right? They were sure. like, oh, this is there's a pathway for you here. And yeah. so um, I yeah took every class, and then after that, I went to. Um, they were colleges at the time, but they're universities now. So I went to uh, Emily Carr College of or University now, and then Capilano College. So that was uh, one year at Emily Carr and three years at CAP. And the CAP program was really prestigious because they had like hundreds of applicants every year. They only accepted thirty every year. Oh yeah, okay. I, and I, I the first time I applied, I didn't get in, and oh. I was a little bit like devastated because i was like sure. oh i was i thought i was the hot sauce you know in grade 11 <laughs> yeah. and 12 i could totally do this. but this was the whole time of like you know i think kids nowadays kids nowadays yeah they um you know you've got the internet you've got youtube you got all these things that teach you how to do it nobody taught me how to put together a portfolio to right. apply to a class right. right i didn't have a mentor per se i had my high school graphics teacher and they can they can only do so much for you, right? Right. And um, I remember applying, and I and I didn't get in, and I just tried to st think about it a little bit more strategically, like, okay, what did I do and not do right? And I basically spent that whole next year. I took a part time class, and then I applied again, and I, and I got in, and that was a really great class because I mean, you just learned everything, and this is also still like just touching the computer age right so yeah like, yeah it was like the dawn of desktop publishing yeah, uh, right. but it was all still very old school you know lots of pen and ink type stuff and photography sure. and letter uh, set drawing and, and yeah. yes yep. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Le letter set and all those markers and um pantone and all that kind of stuff yeah. and so i basically all through high school and even after college i did and even now, actually, I, I still do like freelance graphic design or illustration. So people sometimes sure. need logos or they need apparel stuff. After that, I worked. Um, uh, I didn't get a full-time job. I essentially freelanced all through high school and, and college. And then um, um, and I worked for like lots of apparel companies, like snowboard companies, like, um, what do you, you know, action sportswear and stuff. Um, oh, I yeah. worked for a company. I did stuff for a company in town called West Beach. Oh, okay, yeah, and of I course. Yeah. Yep. You, you know them? Okay. Yes, um, yes. So the owner of West Beach is Chip Wilson, who owns Lululemon. Like, if that uh, gives yes. you any indication of, like, sure. how sort of smart and, and, and business-minded he was. Sure. But I, they had a couple of stores. Um, I did some graphics for uh, Quicksilver. I did yeah. some graphics for um, a local company called Arson and a couple other local uh, brands. But um, lots of, like, T-shirts and, and snowboard stuff, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, after that, after college, I um, I continue. I actually worked at a couple of like apparel and screen printing companies, and then um, I got a job at 
Carbuncle Cartoons, which is mm. um, the company that did uh, that made Ren and there was a studio that made Ren and Stimpy, which was Spumco and John Chris Felucci. Okay. One of his best buddies was Bob Jakes, who owned um, Carbuncle, and they had they were just finishing up Ren and Stimpy, and I got a job there um, as a um, an artist uh, doing uh, titles and doing um, what they called cleanup. So like the animators would do like their blue line drawings. Sure. They would do like their key keyframe, um, excuse me, drawings. And then I would do like um, the pencil version on top. Now it's, it sounds really simple, but like these animators were very into that whole like thick to thin line. Um, right. They were really influenced by like, um, you know, old school, like, you know, Warner Brothers and Bob Clampett and all these animators where the line quality was really important. And, and me coming from graphics and having an illustration background, the, the, the directors, they loved my drawings because they were like, wow, it looks like you're inking them, but they're pencil. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's just the way I do it. Right. And I still right. kind of draw like that. Um, so I did that for a year. I worked on um, this cartoon called Baby Huey, which ran for, I don't know how many seasons. Or just the story, just the one season. I think it was like a dozen episodes or something. And then um, I worked uh, in game development. That was a mm. long career. So I worked in game development for 19 years. Wow. So I was at Electronic Arts. And I first started as a uh, interface designer, because you think graphics. Okay, interface. So all the menus and stuff in the beginning. Of course, of worked course. Worked on a bunch of um, uh, game titles there doing that. But then this was also the dawn of um, 3D. So, I mean, how cool is this, right? It's like, I didn't know any 3D. And it's like, don't worry, we'll we'll pay you we'll, to like, take yeah, this class. Yeah, we'll let's learn how to do it together. This $100,000 computer under your desk, it's crazy. Um, so I did 3D modeling, and then eventually I became like a, a lead artist on some of the teams. And then I was an art director for 10 years, working on lots of different game titles. So, you know, obviously sports titles, FIFA soccer, NBA street, um, lots of car racing titles because I was really into car racing at the time. So Need for sure. Speed Underground. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Speaking so my language. Big hit. I mean, and this was like literally like right when the Fast and Furious came out and that game was just like on fire, right? So Gosh, that so was this is, huge. This has to be uh, early 2000s. Yeah. So this was uh, PlayStation 3 and original Xbox. Yeah, PlayStation yeah. Two, even I think. Yeah, okay. just before just before PlayStation Three. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. PS3, PlayStation yeah. Three would have been Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. That's like two thousand five yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but I did. Uh, yeah, I worked on all sorts of titles, all sorts of hardware. So like the Nintendo, uh, Nintendo Wii, right. um, the Sony PSP for quite a while, and. Uh, and then yeah, some of the other consoles. So this was like yeah, Xbox and and PS3. Did you get to work thing. on any Star Wars titles while you were there? Didn't. So oh. this was, <laughs> I know this is sort of one of my things where I'm like, so I I had a very long career there, and um, it was very unfortunate. But they, you know, when you work for a public, a big public company, a big corporation, sometimes things happen. And 100%. they had the big layoffs in 2010, and this. It was really tough for me because I'd been there, yeah, for like 16 years. And um, they were just like, okay, this entire side of the building is laid off. And you're like, what? Like, you know, we didn't get a chance to like, I, at least I didn't, I didn't get a chance to like talk to anybody about like, can I change departments or anything? Right, it was just sort right. of, it was a numbers thing, right? And when you work there for a bit longer, yeah. sure, you're making more mm -hmm. salary and you're becoming an expensive person. And if they right. don't think that that's important to what they want to do then then they're gonna you're gonna have to move along so unfortunately right. they laid everybody off and then um 
I worked for, I worked, I actually started a, in an indie game studio with a couple of friends and we did some contract games for like, um, you know, like iPad and iPhone, like sure. on, on iTunes, that sort of thing. And yeah. then, um, I, we launched our own game, which was really cool. Um, and so that, that was just a, a big, you know, it was a huge kind of career evolution, right. To go from, you know, working on interface to like, 3D models, designing environments, concept art, creating characters, um, creating environments, art direction, working with super talented people. Guess who was there at EA at the time um, for all the costume nerds that are listening to this? Uh, Nilo Rodas. Nilo Rodas? Oh, why come do on. I, why do I know Mike, this? Mike. Why do I know this? Mike. Oh my gosh. Am I looking Mike. at this? Am I embarrassing? You are embarrassing. So Nilo Rodas um, worked actually, I believe, on Empire, but then mainly on oh, Return yeah. of the Jedi okay. as a costume yes. designer. So Biker Scouts? Yes, Nilo the original, yeah, and I'm a scout too. Okay. Oh! <laughs> um, the uh, quote-unquote, you know, Slave Leia costume? Sure. Nilo Rodas, right? Tons of characters, tons of vehicles um are are all of Nilo's uh sort of brainchild and creation of working with George in in the conceptual art department and then sure. in the costume department. So I had the great fortune of I didn't work on the same projects as Nilo but um sure. he was at EA sort of the last 2 years that I was there and it was so hard for me not to like nerd out on him all the right, time. Right. right? He'd be, he'd always be like Terry, why why Star Wars, Terry? Why? And I'm like, "Do you understand who you are? You, this you is like You already did this. Yeah, you climbed yeah. that mountain, man." <laughs> I'm like, that's like me, you know, learning how to play basketball and Michael Jordan is here, like teaching a class. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, Telling you like, man, why do you want yeah. to talk about the Bulls, man? Don't why you want to talk about yeah. anything else? You're like, oh, it. yeah. Well, I don't know. Sorry, because it changed my life. But sure, go ahead. That's that's <laughs> totally. incredible. Oh, well, and, and I think, too, like looking at the time of and even the Star Wars titles in sure. especially for electronic arts was just I mean they were the the biggest company and yeah um and it's so you know and I, I think because that was still Lucas Arts uh right was Lucas Lucas Games well and- so what happened was um yeah I was laid off in 2010 and then literally I think it was like a year or two later they got it was sort of like subcontracted to um couple of I, I it, they weren't developed at EA in in Vancouver but there was okay. like BioWare right there was yeah, BioWare yeah, yeah. Yep, and sure. then there was and I can don't quote me on this cuz you know but I mean EA has studios all over right but there's ones in California and this sort of right. thing so different studios were potentially working on different portions of things sure. that ultimately you know oh this is like this game is now published um they weren't they may or may not have necessarily been you know not sort of like the the it wasn't quite um I guess it's like Old Republic Right? Yeah, it was Old Republic. At the time, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then this is pre pre Battlefront. So right. um yeah, I, I remember like like literally like a year or two after I'm like, Oh my god, like I can't believe they're working on Star Wars and I'm right not there. Like, you know, yeah. and yep. um it 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 really kind of hurt because I'm like that was would have been like a super passion project for me, sure. right? Sure. And then, you know, I would drop hints through friends that were still there and I'm like, you know if they're if they're for anybody they're looking yeah. for anybody that needs to, like um do you need any like stormtrooper advice or anything you right, just right. let me know yeah, or, yeah. You know, I, so. I, I, I'm I'm slightly into uh any I of this I may be yeah, into right. the Star Wars I may have yeah. a helmet at home that we could model and we could use yes. and yeah right yeah oh my gosh. so yep. it was crazy I I did you know I had friends that did work on it and um um uh, 
so you know proud of the the work that they created and, and yeah. slightly jealous too sure, but sure. um Very natural, what a great what a great time and um yeah it was just and so you know that led me to sorry yeah i i had my own game studio with a couple of friends for 3 years and then my wife and i had um a baby girl and then, you know, she did her, her mat leave thing. And then we obviously started talking about like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Like, you know, are you right. going to go back to work? Or am I going to go back? And she's a high school teacher. And at the time we had just closed our studio and I was like, well, or she, like she brought it up. She was like, you know, you're not working right now. I, I, I'm a teacher. So, you know, you get the teachers like union and benefits and medical sure. and things. She's like, how yeah. would you feel about that? You know, would that, would that be okay with you? Like you, you stay home, you could be, you could be the, the stay at home dad and, and I could go back to work. And then she threw in the, um, and you know, and if you wanted to like pursue this costume thing, then maybe that's something you could do. Right. And I was like, yeah. And I, so maybe, yeah. Yeah. Man, that might have some mm-hmm. legs here, you know? Sure. And so, I mean, I was, I was always just to give you some indication, like I was kind of like the annoying guy at work that would like win the Halloween costume contest <laughs> at like every <laughs> Halloween party. And, you know, people like loved it, but hated it too kind of thing. And I, there was a few years there where I was just like, okay, I got to stop. Like, like it was sort of ridiculous, right? Like I, I, I I'll here's, talk about yeah, the costumes. Here's Terry that I, with this, you know. Here's Terry again. He's got yeah. We get it, Terry. You're crazy. Get up, okay? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. No. So this is even pre-Star Wars. So this is like I remember ninety. I remember the years ninety-seven. I was like a xenomorph alien. Oh yeah. Shun, you know, with the long sure. and this yeah, is like yeah, nineteen seventy-nine yeah. Giger alien. I've got yes. pictures of it, and yep. uh, that I think. People were like, whoa, what? Like, this is crazy. This is next level. And then um, the year after, I did like a... Uh, there's an old uh, Sony video, PlayStation video game called Parappa the Rapper. Did you ever yeah, play that? Yeah, of course, like, with yeah. the dancing. It had like kick, the polygonal. Yeah, it's all it was in like, the mind. Yeah, it yeah like, it's all... Yeah, dude, yeah. It's actually the head is 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 right behind me here. I still have it. But I was that, and then I was like um, some sort of like vampire the next year. And then... The year after that, I was um, like a like a transformer, okay. like, like of my own design. So I was really sure. into like tuner culture, and I was doing track days and stuff. So I had this like Honda Civic. So I was like a Honda Civic transformer, and uh, <laughs> I, had, I had like lights. I had like the neon underneath with like a Amazing. speaker and like a little, and it did like, sure, and the sure. neon would pulse. I was like full on <laughs> Fast and the Furious. That was a lot of fun. But you know, yeah, I became that that guy, and so. For me, I think growing up, making my own costumes, um, I can't forget this, and I still want to make this someday. So, you know how when you go to like a dollar store or something, you'll find like a like a kids like kids dress up helmets, like oh, yeah. it's a fireman's hat, or there's a sure, and there's sure. a poli- there's a very specific policeman one that's blue with yeah. a visor that flips up and down, right. And um, I was, yeah, I remember six years old, and I'm like at that, and I remember this historically too. I was like, there's no Star Wars toys. In 77, there was nothing available, right? right? right. And I was like, uh, I want to yet. be a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah. You had to wait for the, the following year or whatever. And, right. um, uh, or, or the Christmas or something. And, and then, um, so I wanted a stormtrooper helmet. So I, I, t- I had this blue helmet. I took the visor off. I made a cardboard front of the face. I cut the eyes out. I used paper. I took a paper towel roll and I cut it down the middle so yeah. I could make like the cheek tubes, nice. right? 
and I asked my mom for some paint and we had this white house paint and I painted it. I'm like, that was the first like stormtrooper like costume that I had, right? And I one day I want to remake that. Do you have a photo of that somewhere? Like I, feel I like don't. I asked oh. about it. Yeah, I would really love to find it, and and I distinctly remember it too. Like I I didn't have anything else, right? I was wearing like a ski vest, yeah. You know, because there was nothing. I didn't have anything that was like white at home, right? Like I right. remember going to school in this, but people were like, "Whoa, look at it. that's so cool, stormtrooper helmet." But um, yeah, that was my very first, you know, sort of big costume. But so yeah, when my daughter was born, I sort of had this opportunity to kind of this time and opportunity to sort of explore this, right. I'm full-time dadding. And then it's like, Oh, okay, I'll start. I'm already making stuff like, you know, should I make some more things for myself? Should I make whatever? Um, But then like, just to rewind a bit, this is 2009, the last year I was still at EA. I really wanted to build a stormtrooper, and, and I'd already heard about the 501st and I knew what they did. And I'm like, that's really cool. And I remember seeing, um, videos of like all the stormtroopers on the escalator and uh 2000 was it seven was the rose bowl parade right something like that 2007 2008 or something yeah yeah Yeah. i think there's i think someone we've had on the show was in okay yeah but i think that was the year i think you're right yeah and um so i was like i i knew of them and here's my thing is like i i was starting to get at this point where i had a few costumes and some of them were big obviously and i'm like I was living in an apartment and I'm like, I can't have stuff that's super big that takes up a ton of space. I got this transformer thing and it was just gigantic. And um, I was like, yeah, you know, I like Star Wars. Yeah, you know, so that's when I started looking into it more and I found out about white armor and I went down that whole just rabbit hole. But I mean, my, I picked up on a lot of that stuff really quickly because I mean, I made a lot of models when I was a kid, right? So I'm like, I mean, a Stormtrooper is like a glorified airplane model right you glue the Giant two halves model, together yeah. you have exactly. a leg right you know yeah, yeah and um and so you know using those adhesives and everything like everything was very familiar to me and then i was already you know fairly experienced at like oh a neck seal oh, i could sew my own neck seal a belt i can make my own belt right you know holster i can make my own holster like it just i, I was starting to be able to to make a lot of the pieces myself so it was just getting the armor kit and then you know i made one then I made another one and then I got a better helmet and then it was just kind of one thing after another. Um, but that's kind of my first foray into the 501st and then after was the, the Sand Trooper, right? But that was my very first kit. The Sand Trooper was? No, the, the uh, regular TK, Stormtrooper, yeah. Uh, well, Terry, uh, before I forget too, Terry, what are the what are the suits that you have? Because I know that you have a lot of suits, but sure. which, suits, which suits do you have and, and what have you built or what are you building as well? Oh, that's very. Oh boy, very, big question. Very personal question there. Jeez. Um, so, five hundred first side. I've got a stormtrooper and a sand trooper and a biker scout. Um, I have a mini speeder bike to go with the biker scout. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. I'll send you a video of that. Um, Please do. That was I. I made that for like parade because we used to do this this parade every year. You'd always see like the, I would always see like the Shriners with their little like motorbikes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, right. why do they get all the fun here? And they're doing all these patterns. And they, I'm like, well, what's a Star Wars speeder bike, right? Nice. And so there I made this go. tiny, like you sure your knees are kind of crunched up like a Shrine. It's like a three quarter scale, but it's kind of fun. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's great. So on the Rebel Legion side, um, I've got my Jedi Knight, 
uh, like a, uh, what do you call it? Like an old Republic style Jedi Knight. Sure. Um, sure. X-Wing pilot. Um, I cheer at Imway. Um, I just finished um, my Admiral Akbar head and hands. And so I'm going to be using that for Admiral Akbar, obviously. And then um, I'm also going to be using that for, for um, kind of the Mandalorian Trask fisher yeah. folk. The, yeah. the, the Frankie Bellito yeah, right. uh, character. So, and and just in case anybody's interested, we have a Facebook group called the Cozy Fish People because of the sweater. Yes. Right? So everyone's yes. bought the sweater. You know, whether you're uh, doing the, the costume the or jade, not, it's just blue, kind of, Is it blue? Is it green? No. So, like, if you watch the, sorry, I know you want to, I know you want to cut this short, but it's like <laughs> watch the uh, Mandalorian, the gallery, gallery episode, yeah, season yeah. two, right, where where Shauna Tripsick, um She's, you know, oh, this is Frankie Polito, and he's one of our, our Mon Cal characters. And if you look, and, and Frank verified this too, but you can see it in the video, especially when you, because right. um, I always look for footage that's not like broadcast footage, right? Sure, so sure. Like behind the scenes photos or yeah. or set photos. And this is right. like, obviously, it's just someone with a video camera and they're filming behind the scenes stuff. Yep. And you can see the sweater is like super washed out. Like I, I think they went more like a, it was probably like a white or a cream and then they dyed it and dyed it. And, yeah. It and dyed, yeah. Yeah. And so it's yep. like this really almost like faded slate color. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, but we're all like, everyone just goes to Amazon and buys the $27 green. Yeah. But the, it's the green close was, enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. Anyways, Trask was yeah, so please. blue. Trask was so blue. It had that reflection of it. Yeah. Yeah. And everything, the... every, when you look at screenshots, of the Mandalorian, everything's super dark. Right. It's like darken everything by like 50%, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to use my Admiral Akbar for, or my Mon Calamari for um, Admiral Akbar and uh, Love that. Trask Fisher folk person. And yep. then um, C-3PO, I've been working on for a very long time. And uh, I was working on it and I've actually got the majority of it done with, except for the legs and the feet. And I've collected brass parts for literally like a decade that's how hard sometimes these parts are to get. Oh my gosh. Everything will be like straight legit out of 1977. And, um, and, but a couple of years ago, I, I broke my ankle. I broke my leg. And so my ankle like kind of swelled up. It's sort of like a little deformed now. And so I literally had to like remodel, like I had to model new C3PO feet. Oh, and I'm getting yeah, sure. my body um, scanned because my left half is kind of like bigger than my so it's like i had to i'm having to rejig it so that's kind of like just it put a damper in the progress of that right so but um uh, i've been working on other bits of that like the lights and all the brass stuff and the pistons for the arms and the voice sure. the voice down so that's i'm sure. good to go oh if I can awesome. get some, uh, yeah yeah so um that's kind of the that's kind of most of the star warsy stuff yeah i'm working on some other fun builds um so well, that's that's me. I want to ask you, Terry. So I sure. think in everything that you've learned in this hobby, and you're you've just got such a, a and, and I'm laughing at it because I actually before, um, you know, I'm I'm almost 35, and I was kind of part of that second wave of after Lucas had seen what right. Spielberg did with Jurassic Park. And then we got all these special editions that came out after because he's utilizing all this like emerging technology to help aid Star Wars. And so I got hit with like every, 
you know, re remaster version. Right. Where get you know, and so I I really had um, growing up, I was. I was kind of reintroduced to Star Wars and my parents were, I, I was an only child for 10 years. And so my parents, which ironically, you're talking about the Sears catalog. My father is a, is a photographer oh, and he out. shot a lot of toys for toys? In Sears. Wow. And so we had, I would wow. always be able to get these new toys that were, you know, cause they would send them to him in like October because that's when they would shoot the catalog. Okay. And so I'd get to like play with stuff and always like, they all had my... that kind of like, Oh, it's the blue backdrop. Right. Or, you know, my parents would go, Hey, we need kids to come in and play with these toys. So what, Cause you did always, you, did you, I, I, I don't you... remember specifically <laughs> playing with any of the specific toys, but I knew it broke my heart when I got to see, you know, cause we were in front of everything. It was stretch Armstrong mm. was coming back and all this. And then I would see like a star Wars toy and I would be like, mom, can I keep this? And they, yeah. you know, the inventory people are like, no, you can, no, you got to send, right, send everything back, you know, because they had <laughs> taken them out of the packaging and some of them didn't have right. packaging and, you know, they had to have accessories. And so it, it's just funny that we have these kind of connected experiences, right. Terry, through a different way. But, um, you know, That's and cool. I, I used to, uh, I, I was formerly of the snowboard industry. I worked for, for Rome oh. snowboards and for Burton snowboards. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I, yeah. So I used to design board graphics. So you and I are like, man, we are, oh we are God. kindred spirits here. This is, this is awesome. And I, I love that. Well, I love that even despite our age difference, I'm sure that we no, would, we would still, still a... definitely push downhill. Oh, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> um, and I mean, so just, I was also, I worked in a couple of, of uh, skateboard and snowboard shops in my in my youth sure. but i would collect those burton catalogs like oh. every year yeah because they were so well done right i was a huge fan of the graphics i mean this is also this was right like i had finished college like it was like you know early to mid 90s this was when burton really like oh, they really yeah. like dropped the hammer and it's like they had right. the best best boards best graphics best, yeah. best clothing best equipment yep. and they still are like i yeah. in my opinion they're still one of the coolest companies for sure yep. but like the, all of that and they they um think about i i can't remember the names of the people but like some of the people that work for burton at the time they also worked for like a lot of like you know multimedia magazines and stuff like yeah. that whole look of the yeah. 90s oh yeah was like they were at the forefront of a lot of that stuff yeah. right so i yeah. love that stuff and I, I still do i've literally got like a couple of like it's the burton 1995 snowboard camp, <laughs> right? you know yeah, like, right but i mean right. I, I love the graphics and stuff yeah. in it. it's great yeah, probably with jeff brushy doing like a stale yes. fish over like the front yeah exactly and with the this, board with, this, with the with yeah. the trout on it oh my god yeah, the brushy trout right and then the crafts yeah. table and then eventually from there <laughs> i mean it's just it's really funny to have these these experiences and pick him up with another creative person because awesome i think all of these things end up connecting us because there's clearly something especially with my background as a as a i'm a creative director for a university now but there's clearly something because your experience is so similar to mine in that when we figured out and i think because star wars was so I want to say it, it was such immediate success that Lucas was smart to let people know how he did a lot of this stuff sure. because it pushed, especially ILM, Industrial Light Magic, to the forefront of saying they did stuff that we and, – and I still think in some ways we don't truly understand how impactful that was at the time. But ILM 
George intentionally shared a lot of how they did that stuff because he realized that ILM was going to be an asset for the entire film industry, not just yes. for himself. Yes. And so it, it, you saw the behind the scenes of Star Wars and there were a lot of behind the scenes stuff where, like you're saying at the, at the, at the beginning of the conversation, they didn't want to tell anyone how they did that because right. they wanted yeah. to hold on to that. But Lucas was like, I will show you everything that we did because you need to know how amazing we are. Right. And, and, and so then just like you, I saw a guy standing next to a three and a half foot tie fighter holding it up, getting it rigged right. up for lights. Yeah. And I went, wait a minute, that's real. Like what? Right. Like so th that, that, that X wing in that size exists somewhere. I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on? And so I think that's when it became, yes. When, when I became aware of the industry was, I think what right. I saw, um, when I saw something like that and I can't remember exactly what all those, those things were, but yeah, as costumers, I remember being a kid and wearing, you know, black jeans and a black turtleneck. And I was like, mom, I need a black glove. And she's like, okay, here, there's gloves over there. And I said, no, no, I just need one. And I would walk around and I had a, you know, my dad's mag light with, you know, it was green. I put Eat. green cellophane on top and, you know, I was yes. like, I'm Luke Skywalker now. Don't, you know, yes. don't call me by my name anymore. But, but <laughs> it, I think we all have those shared collective experiences. And so for you getting into when, when this kind of became a part where you said, I, I want to kind of start to maybe see how I could get into this professionally because in 2010 is now the, the real emergence of YouTube and sure. it's changed its profile. And then Facebook is starting to really pull some, I mean, this was like the, the arms race of technology and where people right. were finding content. And so YouTube had really, you know, previously, and why I understand why the 501st had old school forums is because there weren't really there weren't facebook right. groups there right. weren't places for people to have long form conversations and 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 so it totally understands because you know uh chat rooms and old school you know uh css forums were the only way that people did things for a quite a long time and well, there's another reason for that though right which was as as, as i understand it so i mean when i when i um joined the 501st uh, uh but a year and a half later i was like a squad leader and then sure Many years later, we started a garrison, and then I became a garrison CEO. And so you start to get more involved with like how um, the infrastructure of these organizations work, right? Right. And I was even I was on uh, I was a what do you call it a staff member of White Armor for for a few years as well yeah, too. But yeah. like um, admins, one yeah, of, yeah. One of the things is that you know when you have to have these forums because oftentimes there's conversations about things that. Like at the time, and even now, like armor makers aren't like licensed. They're not licensed makers, right? Right, right, right. So it's kind of like, even now, you know, it's kind of like, well, you're not supposed to talk in talk public about like who makes that okay. or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. it's kind of weird because in a way I feel it's gotten a lot looser, even sure. with kind of Disney's involvement, right? Because you go yeah. on Facebook, like I go on Facebook and I'll be like, wow, that person or that guy in the basement's got like, 10 employees now and they're totally making stuff and you know like should they really be you know like but you know before uh, at least during when i started it was like no no no, no keep it to the forums and yeah yeah you know so-and-so's the supplier but you know p you know send me a private message and i'll let you know who that right you know because sure, it was supposed sure. to be a little bit it wasn't trying to be um um you know hiding hiding it from new people or whatever but like trying to like 
Stan George's good side at the time, sure. right? Like he, sure. he's sort of like, okay, you guys can play in this universe and it's really cool and I love what you're doing and right. go ahead, make the fan films. By the way, when I call, I want 50 Stormtroopers in a parade, you know, or at a premiere, but you know, otherwise just go make the stuff in the garage. I don't really care, right? You know, sure. so sure. so it was, yeah. I think it's part of it is keeping that distance, right? But now you're right. absolutely, you're right. With social media now, it's kind of like changed the landscape. Well, now, and now the actual costume builders from the show the actual set crew are buying fan sculpts to have in the show which is it it, it, we had talked about this is like very you know i think i had drew hard on who is what he's one of the leather workers he works at ironhead studios and he goes you know i think what people don't understand is it is easier for us to go you mean we need to buy three scout troopers from waltz trooper factory uh, that's easier than us going in and building new bucks and having, yes. you know, because you have and, no idea if, if they want to have, oh, we're, we're not going to have scout troopers after this one episode. Well, then why yeah. would we put all of that time to do it when these guys clearly know their stuff? So it is, we're in a weird, it's, yeah, we're in a weird. But think about that time, right? The amount of time and investments involved, right? If you were like, like if I worked there and they were like, okay, you, Terry, we want five scout troopers right and you'd be like right. well let's go to the archives and we're you know can we mold anything no no no, no, no. you can take measurements oh, okay sure and now we're scanning stuff <laughs> right, yeah. and then we're printing like i mean how many months of work is that versus hey you know for uh, 600 bucks uh we just it'll show and, up by the end of the like, week buy it now and it'll show <laughs> right. up in five days and you know right. and you know probably faster when they know that like hey i'm i'm going to use it for this show right so I'll it's pull completely it right understandable <laughs> yeah and i think also too they have a certain level of res- respect and they can acknowledge and understand like hey if we want um you know, uh, uh, a, n- a New Hope era, you know, TK, it's like, here's a group of people that have been like studying this for 15 years, like to the right. minutia of yeah. like, it should be hair cell plastic that's used and maybe it's acrylic capped and, you know, we want the off-white color and not the pure white, you know, it's like, okay, right. we can yeah. talk about that forever. Right. And and it's like, these are the people that you want to get involved, right? Exactly. Just like the R2, um, you know, like when they made Force Awakens and they had right. Lee, uh, I can't remember what's the name, but you know, like it was like, oh, they visited the Droid Builders booth at Celebration, and then yeah. you know, they sort of jokingly like, hey, here's a card if you ever need anything, you know, maybe maybe for a video release or something, right? And then like sure. they got a call a year later, saying, hey, do you want to build the droids for the sequel trilogy? Like that's bonkers, right? Right. Like, a, and then R two P T like rides by in the background too, yeah. which was such a cool nod to the the fa- you know it's, the fan yeah. clubs. And I think also people, um, you know. People in our community, costumers, you know, builders, makers, be like, well, well, why wouldn't they want to make that stuff? And it's like, well, I've worked on a few, you know, sort of TV and film productions now. And it's like, you literally don't have time for that, right? So like, it depends on how organized the production is. So from like the top down, if they're like, okay, you know, we know that we're going to film this episode in June and it's February right now. Okay, everybody, we need like five sets of armor. Lots of time, lots of time, right? And right. it's like, but the person, you know, by the time that, you know, that meeting happens to the costume department, to the whatever, to the whatever, to the point where, okay, now we got to get these things. And you're like, hey, wait a minute, it's April. Hey, wait a minute, it's May, you know, or there was this delay, or we have to get this actor and it's resized. And you're like, oh, now it's a month. And you're like, what? You had like, you know, four months or five months, but 
you know, and I, I, I've done stuff like this where, where I'll get a request. Um, I, I do a lot of contract work, uh, or some contract work for a, a local, a couple of local prop, um, uh, and costume places. And like, you'll get a request, you know, Hey, I know it's like a Thursday this shoots on Monday. Oh. I was done, you know, like, you know, and it, you know, and sometimes they, they, they'll come to me when it's a thing, like I have a, I have a very particular set of skills, skills yes, that make yes, a nice yes. nightmare, but it's like, <laughs> You know, so like often I get a lot of vacuum form. Um, I do a lot of vacuum forming, right? Mm-hmm. So I very experienced in that realm. And so when it comes to like, hey, we need this thing, and you know, we we can't take this to an industrial place because it's like too small of a job or it's too specific to this thing. Can you do it? Like, yeah, I can do it. And you, know, oh, by the way, it's Thursday. We need it on. It's just like you don't have the time. So yeah. you know, it's very it's 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 very dreamy to think like, oh, these big productions they have tons of money, big teams, lots of time. It's not always like that, right? Sure. It's just not always like that. So I think, you know, we always have to cut them some slack when it's like, hey, you got the knee pads upside down on the on the biker scouts, right? <laughs> right, right. But it's like, but it's like you know, there's like a billion details and. Oftentimes something can get missed or something can be done at the last minute. And sure. you got to remember they're people too. They have lives too. And they're, and some of them might not be diehard fans as we are, right? Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. it's Sunday night before a Monday and someone put the knee pads on upside down, it's like, it's not their fault, man. Like it's right, just a mistake, right? right? It wasn't right. meant to offend anybody or anything. It's just... You know, but I mean, I, I'm sure every single one of us has been like, "Hey, if you want to hire me to be a consultant to like <laughs> right, yeah. make sure your knee pads are right side up, I'm more than happy to do it." More right, than exactly. Happy to do well, it, and that's you know? exactly that's such a a great point to make because you know that you would have thought that the Pathfinders would have been like, "This is the most offensive thing that's <laughs> ever been done to Star Wars." And I'm like, as a biker scout, and I'm a level two biker scout. I went there. Sure. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, the the upside down knee pads I've done it on accident and I'm like this is actually pretty comfortable to be honest like because the, the not, angle is different, yeah 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 right? so it's yeah. like I could totally see how it happened and and there was another uh, resistance broadcast did a great interview with Frank Ippolito. right and he goes you know people have to also exactly to your point Terry it's like people have to understand that you know there are people working jobs and they get these jobs and and the difference between you know i think most people in the legion at least are self aware enough to know we're obsessive it's sure. it's so over the top it's the difference between saying oh yeah i'm a star wars fan and i've got a basement full of stuff that tells you that but then it's another level of jumping off the cliff to go, now I'm going to spend $3,000 on a costume that I'm going to wear right. maybe four times a year. But it does it does show that there has been such a, 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 a relationship that has gone on between the prop builders, the people who've worked on the show. Sure. It's like we have, we have some of the people who have worked on The Mandalorian in recent productions that are in these costuming groups actually sure. – Offering yeah. help or, or, yeah. you know, the, there was the Boba, the Boba Fett, the Boba, well, we call him Boba Fresh, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it was like, it was like, I think the, the CRL says that his, he- his helmet is a different color than his armor. Right. And then you have Shauna that comes in who actually yeah. made the decision. Yeah. She goes, guys, everyone relax. It's the same green. And it was you. like right there, we had our answer, which, which yeah. when we don't get to talk to some of these people, we're kind of left to our own devices and, sure. and whatever, whatever we're, we're trying to degrain uh, a movie 
that came right. out 30 years ago until we find out in the HD version. Oh, it turns out there were uh, zip ties on the shoulders of the scout troopers. And now we right. have to change the CRL. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's like everyone, let's just relax. Let's relax. I was, this is I, so. I was totally caught in the middle of that when I built my scout. This was 2012 or 2013 or something. Okay. And uh, 2012. And um, this like really long of, you know, classic Terry. This is like, and this is like not so much pre YouTube, but I wasn't really doing stuff on YouTube at the time. So I like, sure. I was sort of known for like, oh, I'm going to like document everything. Like, yeah. and this wasn't, this wasn't so much like a, a, an ego thing or anything. Like part of it was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing it this way. I'm maybe doing something differently than the other way people do it. I want to show people that to people. But it's also a great opportunity to get feedback from people. Like I had people tell me like, oh, dude, your pouches are too big or they're too close together or whatever. I'm like, great. You know, or, or you know, I remember getting into a thing with like, um, oh, the angle of the of the hip boxes, the webbing coming up. It should be like here and not here. You know, like just like <laughs> such all these yeah. small things. But yeah. I'm like, you know, without that dialogue – because that person has been looking at the angle of the webbing for like a billion hours more than I have maybe. Right. And they're, they're able to interact and, and help you out. And so there's this sort of interactive helping each other aspect. But one thing I wanted to touch on when, when you were talking about just kind of like our careers and our experiences and how they've crossed over and, and they're so familiar and similar is like, yeah. you talk about obsessive, um, I remember Adam Savage talking about this once on one of his um, podcasts or videos, and he was he knew someone who worked at an art gallery, and he was asking them at the time. This is sort of pre his maybe MythBusters or his Island sure, thing yeah, or something. Yeah. But like he was like, well, what what's the common thing that you you know you you work with a lot of artists? What is it about them that makes them successful? Not so much financially, but just being successful, fulfilled artists. And they said. Um, they are incredibly passionate, passionate to the point of obsession. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 100%. I, I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much I relate to that. Right. Yeah. Like it just, in terms of like, I was painting my, um, I just finished uh, making, building a, an Admiral Akbar, uh, the head and hands. And I mean, I literally have like every book the, of Star Wars, like the, all the costume ones, all the right. encyclopedias, all the making of books. I like, I have like post-it notes, like on each one, like because I yeah. wanted to get the weathering, the 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 patch pattern on the top of his head, and it's just like I realized something. I'm like, oh, all these photos that they have in these books where they have like the Akbar head and the hands with the white outfit, yeah different head sometimes so they're uh -huh. not the so when i found there's a picture of um there's these great pictures of it's admiral akbar with his i don't know what they are like admirals or sergeant or other you know the, the guys in the sort of the, the yeah, gray yeah, right. yeah yeah they're, they're, yeah the, the, the guys other... in the back yeah right admiral we have enemy ships in sector 47 yeah, right and they're pointing right? they're and they're pointing they're, to like really yeah, nothing <laughs> pointing at the random lights yeah, yeah those guys yeah. there's these great black and white photos of them just posing like and it's so funny because they totally look like a like a rap hip-hop group or something like akbar's got his arms crossed yeah yo, and they're, let's they're go. like they're like yeah and they get their hands on their hips and stuff it's really funny but like i was like oh my god it's that it's that's whatever that sergeant's head in the ilm archive photo with the Akbar, like they had mixed and matched. Now right. I'm sure that stuff breaks down. It's foam and this sort of thing, right? But it was right. like, 
I'm pretty sure nobody's been, and I haven't shared that with anybody yet, but I'm like, I don't think anybody's been that obsessed with the the airbrush patterns on the head. Like now that I've identified like, oh my God, that, you know, this is the wrong head on the wrong guy. But like, and and I I thought about this because I took some pictures of my Akbar and I'm like, oh geez, did I make it too dark? Is the brown too dark? And then I realized like Akbar, the actual Akbar on screen, he's actually quite dark. Like he's sort of yeah. like the, the darkest sort of skinned of them. And then there's right. a couple that are like really bright orange. Yeah. And then there's a guy that's kind of in between. Yeah. And a lot of the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like PR photos or whatever are of the bright orange. But really uh. Akbar is much darker. And right. it's the lights that kind of bring it up. And I'm like, it's it's just really cool because... Like I, I'm probably the only person that appreciates that, right? But like, I, at least I think I am. Right? I would say but you I mean, and like, Frank Ippolito definitely are the two people. To, <laughs> I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna do a two-hour podcast with him on the uh, yeah. texture patterns of the. Oh but my I mean, gosh! It's it's been that I think that's what we have that's fam- similar is that we are very passionate. We enjoy, mm-hmm. you know. Anytime we meet up with anybody that's like in our, like when you meet your people, right? Yeah, yeah. You could just go on for hours because I'm like, we can talk about the smallest things. And it doesn't matter that you don't necessarily like that character, but you appreciate the passion and the time and effort that goes into it. I think we have also similar backgrounds in graphic design. Like when I started there was no like, hey, let's just Google and see what this other company did. Like, I literally right. like have to go down to the library, or I'd go downtown yeah. to this magazine shop and get the latest like graphic design magazines, and like yep. try to like. It was this deep dive search into finding what I needed to find, and now stuff is so much more accessible. But I feel like a lot of that process is ingrained into me, right? Like the reference gathering, yeah. And really, you know, people think like I look. I do I, like I'll take a I'll see a photo of like Mandalorian costume on display at like D23 or something and of sure. course I'm looking at it like oh okay let's let's look for the belt thing let's look for the rivet you know where is that but then a lot of me is like okay Terry just like stand back for a second you know breathe why it is everybody in. breathe it in yeah, yeah yeah why is everybody getting the color wrong you know yeah. like and I'm able to bring some of that i'm like okay i can at least talk about some of my experience um you know in the past and even now as to why like colors behave they do like i'm a i'm literally like a trained like painter slash illustrator like i can yeah. i can you know my i told my daughter this the other day i'm like did you uh, hear something honey you know that dad can like literally mix any color of paint with these three <laughs> colors in my hand right now red yellow blue and she's like really that's amazing i'm like yeah it's pretty amazing isn't it but that's sure. what you're trained to do Right, right. right. We, we literally had classes where we would like make a gr- grid of colors using only three colors. Yeah. And, but that has really helped train me for things like, you know, the whole like, is the Mandalorian's jumpsuit, is it gray or is it brown? Right. You know, here we go, blue, baby. <laughs> right yeah. Into it. yeah. And it's like, there's so undertone. many, yeah, there's so many layers there where. Um, I had the good fortune of um, I'm involved. I, I, you probably know I'm involved with uh, Bucketheads, which is like yeah. this, this Star Wars fan film. Yeah, and we've had this great opportunity uh, a few times to work with this local company called Promosa um, that does like the LED screens. Okay. Oh, cool. Now they're not as big as like the volume. Okay. They're sure. Sure. Smaller, and but I mean yeah. we've dealt with one that was like, oh my god, it was probably like 16 feet tall, and and it was like a, a big L-shaped corner. It was like probably 40. 
50 feet long or something. That's, that's and, big um, enough for my fan film. Yeah. And so when you, uh, we uh, filmed a checkpoint, the, their biker yeah. scout um, yeah. uh, short on that. And I remember I walked in and I was like, oh my God, this is the future. Like, it, it's not so much that I was like, oh, look, I'm totally in the desert. But it, right. it definitely like made me like the lighting, the fact that everything yeah. was warm. And then I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, I was already starting to figure it out, right? But I was like, sure. so if someone's wearing like a white biker scout and they're standing in the middle and they got the, the, the LED wall behind them, but then you've got like these set lights. So now they're like warm white on one side of their body, but then the other side is yellowish wall. sand. No, the, yeah, no, the, right. the sand and the blue, blue sky. Right. And they're like, oh, well, that's why we have this like other panel that we can like wheel around on wheels that has the other side of the desert, the opposite yeah. side. And we'll put that on this side of the guy. So then like, it's like a sandwich. So then you have, yeah. both. and I'm like, ah, but it was what I thought was really interesting was like, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with like, um, you know, uh, post-production and color grading sure. and that kind of stuff, right? Because right. I did a lot of video work when yeah. I was at EA. And, um, and you know, so The Mandalorian is, like, so heavily color graded in post. But, like, I could totally tell. Like, I got to walk on set in my Mandalorian costume with those walls. Yeah. And it's a pretty grayish suit, but, it like, in some angles it was bluish. And in some right. angles it was, like, warmer, like a grayish brown. And I'm yeah. like this is what happens like gray fabric um you know depending on the fabric it can absorb color and light and if the fabric has any sheen on it it can reflect as well too so right i think a lot of people don't like they'll do that they'll sort of pick something and go well it's brown and it's like okay you're using the word brown as a very general term like really like if you were to ask me it's actually a warm gray yeah and with the right lighting and the right environment it looks more brown right right Right. And and you know, now they've changed the, the suit a few times now, I believe. But like it's 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 very sometimes difficult. Like I don't wanna sort of try to come across as an as a know it all and I don't know it all. I'm still learning every day and I and right. I like it when people go, Oh, you know what, here's this thing that we didn't know about. But if we can share any of that knowledge, it just helps kind of like give them a little bit of a different perspective and a ho hopefully some appreciation for that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, and that, that's a, I think when we look at how quickly we as a, as a community are really starting to break down these costumes, because the reality of it is that the modern costumes are much more complicated because we have to, you know, this isn't your, <laughs> this isn't your 1977. Sure. Okay, we got two weeks left, and George doesn't care right. anymore. So, you know, if you if you miss a couple tube stripes, who cares? Or you yes. know, uh, or we ran out of money. So, like for the crowd yes. scene at the end, we'll just put guys in baseball caps, right? That's you know, right. Like, yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and and so that part has always really kind of fascinated me because now Star Wars is such a titan of entertainment. That, you know, there are, you know, sure, we have uh, Gene's guy that that made it through the first round of, you know, Disney Disney right. Plus's, uh, you know, watchful eyes. But, um, you know, they, they really, the the work and what they have done with, with The Mandalorian especially has really made it. And also the fact that, gosh, we have instant screen capping 
Right. And, we, and, and people like you and I have the ability to go into Photoshop and change tint and, and, and sure. really, really have these really in-depth conversations that I asked Drew um, when he was on. He goes, oh, I think it's fascinating at how much talent exists in the community because it's almost like we try our best to suspend disbelief and that right. how the heck did they do that? But then they, you know, this is kind of our, this is our insane hobby that we like to do is right. like, how the heck did they do that? Yeah. And it's really been awesome being a part of this community and how quickly we are able to break these things down. But, but also in the thing that we go back and forth on about like accuracy and, you know, is the most accurate. Sure. Do we, you know, are you still having fun when you're doing it? But like, you know, the right. accuracy part plays into because we want to show respect to all of the little decisions that were made when it came to making the armor. And so sure. I think a lot of that is very important for us to look at and, and to be a helpful community to say we are really honoring, you know, the work that Legacy Effects has done because this character is iconic now sure. among Star Wars. Um, and so, like, do you do you feel, uh, you know, because I, I even like a couple days ago when we were looking at the shins and, you know, you you made this just beautiful paint guide that is so helpful um, that and you're up in Canada. So it's like we you have different access to paints sure. and this just and it just cracked me up because I'm sitting here going, my gosh, us here in the United States are complaining when they have productions overseas and, you know, right, and the shore right. and the shore troopers, the, you know, the, the crazy sure. ones are like, well, we can't get, you know, Halfords and right, we can't, right. you know, we yeah. can't get Toyota E35 red. So I can't even, I can't even make this costume if I can't do it that way. I know. And then, I can't get you know, Nordic blue. Right. Right. So what am I supposed to do? You know? And then people are like, well, use Himalaya. And someone's like, that's incorrect. Right. You got to, you know, dirty down right. spray. What the heck is that? So yes. it's like, it's just yes. so funny kind of seeing the difference in in that we're we are a global group right of 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 people who have kind of had to piecemeal certain parts together because that's the reality of the access is sometimes you don't have it and so kind of even just a couple of days ago um and for people who are listening are going like okay what are these guys talking about? are they well, talking about exactly well well terry <laughs> terry you know terry's put together uh and you've put together these these fantastic layouts that really break down both the Beskar version and, you know, pre-Beskar. And we don't officially know if they actually used Montana unless you know. Um, I, I think in some ways I know that the colors are damn close. Uh, and I don't know if Legacy is actually not – if they're airbrushing everything. I don't know what exactly they're yeah, doing. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all custom, right? So I like think so too. You, yeah, when you look, um, there's lots of photos of them and videos of them working on the stuff. And there's, I can't remember, maybe it was in Mandalorian um, or Disney Gallery or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you sure. Know, they show them working on the stuff. And it's like, you, you look on the wall, like I don't even have anything near this, right? You look on the wall and there's just like racks of bottles of paint, right? Right, like, right. And you got to remember that like the average person... You know, whatever it is, like general, I mean, how much of the general population like lives in apartments, right? Like they don't <laughs> right. have the opportunity yes. to paint to like, just, oh, I'm going to walk out my front door and like spray paint this. You know, yeah. if you live in a house, great. You got a covered garage. Okay. You can spray paint stuff. Right. You know, you, you get all the way to their level, which is like, you have like a billion jars and bottles of paints, professional spray booths with, you know, right. down draft and, yeah. you know, your, your little suits and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, the average person doesn't have access to that. So right. what I was trying to originally do with these Mandalorian paint guides, um, 
and and to a certain extent, the the Sand Trooper ones that you were talking about as well too was like, yeah. I I was making the costume for myself, so I'm yeah. like, I got to find the right colors, and I went out, I was asking the same questions everybody else was. Well, what is that? What is that brown? What is, right. what is that? You know, um, uh, what is this color? What's that color? And first of all, I I will. T- <laughs> I need to make t-shirts that say like, I despise Rustoleum, right? So I have no <laughs> offense to anybody out there who, who, here's the thing. Like I, like you said, I'm, I'm sort of like Pacific Northwest Canada. Yeah. So yeah. in my climate, it's generally colder. It's not ice cold. I mean, it's like 25 degrees right now. Right. But like it's, it rains like 200 days out of the year. Yeah, so like yeah. when you try to paint and also my, my a garage it's like uh, i'm in a split level house so it's like below grade so it's even colder yeah. still yeah so it's not the best environment to paint in now i even on a on a nice warm day way back in the past i would try to use rust-oleum and it's just like it never dries it never fully cures and the issue with it is it lays on incredibly thick so i always say rust-oleum is great for painting your barbecue or a handrail down a set of stairs but it's like awful for costuming and I, and, and I get it. Look, if you right. live in a yep. climate where it works really well and it works for you, great. But like I've done all, like I now have a, a, a DIY spray booth that I can control the temperature in and it's got, you know, evacuation fans and filters and all that stuff. And I've been in a pinch and I didn't have the right blue and I'll like spray something blue with Rust-Oleum and literally wait like five days and then mask off a little area to like paint some yellow on. And it's yeah. just like, it's still not cured underneath. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell's going on? It's 20 some odd degrees. Right. And it's just, it's either something in the environment. It could also be the formulations that um, are here. Like for example, in Canada, Rust-Oleum owns um, a bunch of Canadian brands. So they mm. own like Trim Clad and Painter's Touch and all these other ones that are very, but you look at the bottom and they're all made by Rust-Oleum. And yeah. I've had bad results with all of them. So I needed to find paint colors for the Mandalorian that worked. And then I was like, we all got to get on the same page. Like we don't like people were suggesting like, well, why don't you go and get some like, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, games workshop. And, you know, if you mix like 50% this and 50% that I'm like, this is just, you know, for not even everybody has an airbrush. Okay. You got to make this simpler. So I, I went and just invested. I, I, I bought like, five cans of red and five cans of the brown and five cans, like all uh, shades that I thought would work. And then I painted all these little paint samples and I tried them in different lighting conditions. And I made a YouTube video about that and just shared it with the community. Cause I was like, look, if we can at least get like some of the base colors, then at least we're all on the same page. Right. And you got to understand that this was also, you may not know this, but like it was also sort of somewhat controversial, right? Because the Mandalorian character as a costume is acceptable in the 501st Legion under Bounty Hunters Guild. It's right. acceptable in the Mando Mercs and it's acceptable and under Rebel Legion, Rebel Legion because right. he's, he's a quote unquote, he's a good guy, right? So right. you, even like under their descriptions, it was sort of better to say like, cause they didn't necessarily want to endorse a certain brand, certain paints right. are available in certain countries. So right. they'd be like, Oh, try to get Pantone PMS, you know, one zero five or whatever. Right. And I, and I get Which it. That's an acceptable. Most, and most do people it. go Pantone. Like what the yeah, heck is that? Like, <laughs> right. Like people are not educated in, you know, offset printing and manufacturing that they would know what Pantone, you know, even right. means. Right. Right. But, um, so that was my, goal i was like well i need these paint colors for myself how can i get it so that it's just as easy for someone to go look go get the chestnut brown that's 
what you need yeah. to start with, right? Or yeah. go get this color. That's what you need to yeah. start with. So I went and tested out all the paints and then made a video and I looked inside or outside under different lighting and I'm like, okay, I feel this is it. And I was sort of subtly trying to like, I was trying to like, not like push it on the community, but I was trying right. to like, look, here it is. I'm presenting it. Like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I think it works. Take a look at the pictures. If you think it's right. way off, please tell me. And we did. There's a few people that um, I collaborated with were, were a couple other people did something similar. And it was so cool because um, I, oh, I can't remember his name right now. Jason Jackson. Um, oh, somebody Jackson else. Rupert? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was Jackson Rupert. Um, yeah. Somebody else had like, like literally like out of six colors, he had the same five. Like he oh. just, he just sort of discovered the same five without us even talking. You know, sure. he was like, oh, yeah, that one's really close. And then we were just like, oh, is it this one or this one? You know, like, but it was like, I was like, oh, homie, dude, like, you yeah. don't understand. Like, we're yeah. all totally on the same wavelength, right? Like, we were, we were, and then it's also good to feel like a little bit validated. Like, we were on the same page with the brand. Yeah. You have yep. no idea what an accomplishment this is. So the fact that people can go, you know, to a paint supply store or order them online the other benefit with using um, the Montana is it's, it's you know, they're based in Germany. So it's a European brand technically. Right. But then because it's promoted as a, as a originally Montana was a sort of like a, a graffiti artist paint, but now it's right. a, a hobbyist artist, you know, craft maker paint. So right. now you can get it sort of more internationally. It's more internationally distributed. So that's just way easier, man. Like yeah. you want to paint yeah. your brown, go get the chestnut. It's 12, you know, whatever. It's $15. It's a little more expensive than your, but like it works. And at least right. you're going to look, you'll have like five um, pre-Beskar Mandalorians in your garrison. At least you're all going to look kind of in the same ballpark. Right, right exactly. And, and not be way out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, and I remember you actually were the person that turned me on to Duplicolor. And mm. there was, there was a lot of, so I had never, you know, up until this point, I mean, I'm like everybody else when they just get started in the hobby. It's like, well, I don't know. I go to, you know, the department store and, and, or Home yeah, Depot and it's and like, well, I got white of, paint. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and you, and I remember asking and watching some of your tutorials and you're like, oh, Duplicolor. I mean, these are automotive based paints. And I remember being like, well, where the heck do I get that? And then all of a right. sudden. I go into an auto store and I went, right. I've never like, look at this. Oh my gosh. Well, you're the, like, what did I have been missing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. And the primers yeah. and even just like little yes. stuff, like the nozzles are great. And yes, just the way that they have. And, and I, and, and I can, I feel Harry, when you say Rust-Oleum is bad paint, man, <laughs> I feel that in my bones. So I'm on, I'm on the, the kind of the North shore of, of Michigan right on the south part of Lake Superior, uh, we get right. about 400 centimeters of snow a year. Sure. And it starts in about October, and it doesn't let up till about May. So I can't really paint much uh, if, I, if I don't have, like you said, the, the right conditions. And yeah. yeah, 100%. So I have to go out and, and prime something and know that, you know, as I'm, I'm almost done with this Beskar build that I have, I, I, I can go out and I can have something primed and dried under uh, 80 degree sun right now in, in maybe a couple hours. And it's amazing. And yeah. then in November, I might wait two days for it. And, right. you know, and so it's, it's so frustrating in many ways because we're all going for the same effect, which is 
this great finished build, but people like you, people like Walt out in, you know, Connecticut, who's dealing with hurricanes every couple months. Right. People down in Florida who are dealing with humidity and sure. the people in California who kind of have the best, I mean, that's why the shops are there. It's because like sure. it's consistent. It doesn't rain. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've clearly figured it out. So I just think it's, it's really cool to, to, to talk with people who have kind of put forth those kind of saying, I'm going to take one for the team here and I'm going to buy. Sure. And, and if I could show you my wall right now, I've got probably almost 65 cans of Montana. Not, <laughs> not for costuming for my other, for Hondo supply, this other star Wars thing that I have. Um, because I really love when people send me in custom characters or I do a ton of uh, custom uh, design ID badges for, for Mandalorians. Right. And they have, you know, they, they take pride in their uniqueness. And sure. so they'll say, well, you know, I use Montana color, so I have no problem going out and buying a Montana color that I think sure. looks cool. Uh, and, and it dries so fast. It's great paint. Um, and and, and I, it's funny because like even just a couple of days ago, I think you and I were in that thread together where we're trying to figure out, it's like, well, I think it's shock, shock brown, right. dark. And, and you were like, man, uh, the only reason I said that is because like, I didn't have regular shock brown available. Yeah. So that's what I put. And then I, I painted it that palish brown with the weathering on it. And I'm like, all right, like, what do we think about this? You know? And, and it, looked, it, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And you have all these like really cool little micro yeah. conversations that happen yeah. that like help us all. I think work together to save the person that isn't you, isn't me. That's going to come, sure. that's going to come get excited about costuming after this Halloween, after, you know, after the first trailer for season three, and they're going to go, I want to build a costume. And they're going to look at the stuff that you've laid out and you've saved them so much money. So I think, I think as a, as a fellow costumer and someone that has saved money, and time and energy because of what right. you've done. I just have to say thank you. Oh, you're uh, welcome. And and it's uh, and like I said that that your your YouTube and I want to talk a little bit about the the YouTube channel because you had talked about the original process of like over documenting on the forums and like right. sharing like I'm gonna make a shin armor and it's gonna be six pages <laughs> long, you know. Yes. And and for people to go through and go, this seems excessive. But if you're right. like me. And you're so nervous about making cuts and you're so nervous about being like, man, am I going to screw this up? I'm like too much information. So this is so is funny. The perfect amount of information actually. Right. So my wife complains like she's, she's like, we'll be, you know, having dinner or something and, and I'll be done. And then I'll be, so I'll, I'll see something on one of the forums or one of the Facebook groups and someone will be yeah. like, Hey, well, how do I do this thing? And I'm like, Oh, I got, I got a YouTube video. So I go to YouTube and I copy the link and sometimes I'll have to like search through. Sometimes I'll send a link to the whole video and sometimes I'll be like, Oh, like if you go like halfway through, it's when I start yeah. talking about this, this is that part you want. So then like, it's just become this sort of like trope or meme in the house where like, you know, the other end of the living room, you'll hear my voice like, so you want to, you know, get this paint and sand this down. And then my <laughs> wife will like walk by, walk through the kitchen or something. And she'll be like, uh, and like the Austin Powers voice, you know, like allow myself to introduce to, to myself, myself. Right? like you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like sure. every time, like this literally happens yeah. like two or three times a day. Yeah. But um, 
she, once she was like, why do you have videos that are like 45 minutes? Nobody wants that. You know, like she's all like Instagram, TikTok, like minute long videos yeah. and all this. Right. And, yeah. I, you know, she, she teaches high school clicks. kids. So that's what For the clicks. Yeah. So that's what she's used to. But I'm like, I'm not about the clicks. And I, I go, I, I think about it this way. If I didn't know how to do this thing. This is what I think someone's going to do. They're going to put their phone or their iPad or their laptop literally like on the workbench next to them and they're going to watch the video and they're going to do the thing and they're going to pause the video. Like they're going to literally do it in real time as though it's like a cooking, like, you know, if there was like a how to cook a certain dish, right? Like they can't memorize it because it's like 30 steps. But if if you break it down, like, okay, here's the piece of armor. You want to draw a pencil line, and the pencil line needs to be 10 millimeters away from the ridge. Like, it's like right. they can't remember all that. They have to follow along, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the, here's the thing. Once they've done it once, it becomes, oh, it's this other piece. And instead of 10 millimeters, it's 15 millimeters. No problem. I got it. Right. I right. got it. I, I did that. I did that three times on this other piece of armor already. I, I just got to do it again for this other right. leg or whatever. So... To me, I'm like, that's, I'm not trying to do like the highlight reel. I'm trying to do, and it's like, I don't really care. Like I've, it's so weird, right? Like there's videos that I'll make where I'm like, oh, I thought this would be like super helpful. And then it's like, it's got like, views, right? And then I'll have, I don't know what, like something got shared. I made a video on like voice amps. It was just to help people like put like an acre voice amp in your costume. Yeah, yeah. That's like 250,000 views or something. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened. You're um, like, put it on the necklace, put it under your armor and then talk. <laughs> and then you talk and then you right, buy right. them on Amazon. Like, right, you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But, um, that to me is like, I feel like, sure. There's other videos. There's other channels where people, and you know, there's, I, I really sort of adore videos where they, they're beautifully filmed and edited and they have like two or three camera setups and they're cutting in between. And there's a lot of, you know, and this is someone that like makes a living, you know, quote unquote, as like a cosplayer or someone who like sells patterns or books. And it's like, this is their livelihood, right? Like me, YouTube is not my livelihood, right? But like, so I, I adore, I really love and appreciate that stuff. I don't have the ability to do that stuff. I don't have the time to do that stuff. But I, what I do feel would be the most helpful is like, and I, because I guess I experience it in real life, right? Like I'll yeah. go to an armor party and, you know, I'm, I'm walking around, I'm helping people. And there's always that one new person that's like, I just bought this armor kit and it cost me like a thousand dollars. And like, they're so afraid to make that first cut. Right. And you're I'll like, be good, like, let's cut it up. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, do you mind if I, and they're like, there's a little bit of a shock for a minute when, right. when I'm just like, you know, and I'm yeah. like going through and I'm cutting everything. And I'm like, don't be so precious. Like start with the piece that people aren't going to, like if you screw up a bicep on a TK, nobody cares. No one's going to give right. a crap. Right. But people are always so tempted. They're like, Oh man, I tried to build my helmet and I cut the ear off and it's, cr- I got to order another ear. And I, 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 my blade slipped and I scar. And I'm like, well then why do you build a helmet first? Right? Like don't, if you're painting a car and it's your first time, like practice on a scrap, fender first before (laughs) you paint the whole car right because it's a a ferrari or whatever right so it's like i think a lot of times people don't their excitement the 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 excitement of of uh bbb big brown box day is like so uh compelling to them that they i'm just like take a breath like take a step back and it's like the the best piece of advice that i give to people um and i should do this sometime i should make a video on this is like 
don't rush. Like the worst thing you can do is go, you know what? It's September 18th. And I'm thinking of building a Mandalorian costume for Halloween, right? It's just like, like literally the other day I had someone contact me and they're like, can you build me a Mandalorian costume for Halloween? I'm like, dude, you've already missed like any kind of cons- like the amount of time that it would take. Like we're talking like, this is like three months ago that I would have yeah. like shut it down or something. Right. But, um, I think just don't put yourself in these situations. Like, yes, it's very attractive. It, like, wouldn't that be great to have this costume for an event at this time? But I think you got to plan ahead. And sometimes if it means like, hey, I got to wait a year, you know what? Maybe take that year and do it right the first time and right. don't mess it up so that you don't have to buy something and replace and all this sort of thing, right? It's just take your time. And then you're going to find, like, I, I've talked to so many people where where I've helped them, you know, build a, a stormtrooper or something. And they were like, Terry, thank you for walking me through that. I've never sewn anything in my life. I've never built a model kit. I can't draw a straight line. I've never used a Dremel. I've never glued plastic together. I've never done any of this. And yes, I took the time. It took me for, you know, quote unquote forever. You know, it took me months to do it, but it was so satisfying that now I want to do a level two. Now I want to do Boba Fett. Now I want to do this. Now I want to do that. And I'm like, you see, I, I totally Mr. Miyagi'd you, right? Like, I, it's not so much about the uh, the goal. It's about the journey. Right. And this experience. Like, who knew that you were a Dremel master? Who knew? Like, I have so many people that were like, if you had told me a year ago that I'd get, like, really good at doing this X, you know, ABC skill, yeah, I would have thought that you'd be crazy, but they're like, and now I can help somebody do this. And I'm like, that's exactly why I wanted to show you how to do it. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's so gratifying to be able to say that. Like, I mean, who, for someone who likes like really good food, but Oh, I'm a terrible cook. I'm a terrible cook. But it's like, well, if you had like a professional chef teach you how to do it the first time, you'd be like, okay, this was a lot of steps, but you broke it down for me. It's doable. I, and I, I tried it. I cooked it. I tasted it. It was delicious. Can do this. I yeah. want that light bulb to go off, that inspiration light bulb, right? Where it's like you can do this. You, you it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel I feel too that. So and and I'm having echoes because I remember <laughs> I remember last October sending you messages and you always were responding because you're on the West Coast and I'm freaking out at midnight in the shop <laughs> going, Harry, I, I painted this. I put something on here. I, I used an acrylic enamel and then I put a lacquer right. enamel and I got orange peel. And I remember yeah. you were kind of like, Hey, I, I don't, I, I want you to experiment cause you're having fun. But like, I would, I would start over. And I remember being like, right. what, what does he mean by that? Because right. like, up until that point, which is why I feel really proud of this build is because everything I did was OT and everything was white armor. And so I've got a snow trooper, a sand trooper, and I've got a scout and you know, the weathering is fun. I think it's a part that everyone loves, but I had exactly like you said earlier, I didn't know how to airbrush. I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. And then you go in and go, Oh, the Beskar build is like all airbrush. And it's in, in, right. in a perfect base coat that I'm like, right. how do I get that? And I'm working out of my college's 
shop that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm friends with and, and we help out. We, we help the students out and they help us with stuff. And it's a great relationship we have because we have a lot of students that, you know, help us and they're a part of it. But on the other side of the, the room is the wood shop. And right. so I would come in in the morning and oh, I go, okay, be like I, a layer I, of dust. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everywhere, Terry, you know? And yeah. so I'm like, what do I do now? But of course I'm, it's because exactly like you said, I'm freaking out trying to get this costume done in time. And it has taken me about six months to really come back around to kind of falling in love with the process again of learning. And now it's like, even after we get done talking here, I'm probably going to go up and anchor a little bit more. Yeah. You know, because (laughs) it's like, it's just such a cool, it's just such a cool process of learning exactly like you said, more about yourself and learning that like, yeah, it's, it's worth it to take time. Sure. I I think, you know, totally. And you want to do it right. You want it to look good. I think something that's really difficult with, you know, these Mandalorian builds that are Baskar, you're trying to get this chrome look. It's all, um, around getting this like perfect gloss black base so that you can do your chrome on top. And the fact of it is, is I'll tell you like 98% of costumers don't need to do that. Right. If you're like, yeah, Legend of Zelda sword, awesome, silver, done. Right. Like it's it's not it's not uber uber. You know, unless you're like, okay, I'm trying to make like the T2 endoskeleton guy as a you know, and you're like trying to okay, now you're gonna start to learn that process. But yeah, it's 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 what I call um. So in photography, there's there's a thing called bracketing, right? Like yeah. you know, f stops, right? Like you shoot, know, so it's yeah. like shoot overexposed, shoot overexposed, shoot overexposed yeah. yep. Right. And then somewhere, you know, you shoot everywhere in between and then somewhere in there is going to be your good photo. Um, With most kinds of costuming, you can cover the gamut with like being overexposed or underexposed and it's still going to look fine because you're Zelda. It's going to be a silver and blue sword or whatever shield, right? It's going to be fine. But when you, when you're like, oh, I got to do this fancy chrome or, you know, maybe you want like this very specific um, version of Iron Man or something, right? And it's like, you're starting to narrow that focus and then your skill set is getting very specific. Like, you know, like I sort of, I'm, I'm a C3PO builder too, right? So I've been working on my build for like 10, no God, 11 years now. Oh, I love that's this. Like, that's I, a long-term I need, build. I can't wait to see this then. It's going to be great. Um, but like those people, it's like to try to get like a real Chrome finish like yeah. we've explored every avenue, right? And there's like, you know, you're almost sort of lucky with Beskar in the sense that it's like, well, it's really not like supposed to be phasma chrome. It's like 60 per dark 5% of yeah, the LBA. Yeah. It's a dark chrome. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, a little bit, that's okay. Battle damage. Oh, there's weathering on top. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, for people that want a, yeah. <laughs> for people that want a perfect 3PO, it's got to be chrome, 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 right? Yeah, and so, yeah. It, it really, again, sort of narrows that focus and it, it, you know, it just makes you sort of hone that skill set. But again, I, I'm a very sort of like a, I take sort of like a Bruce Lee approach, right? It's like, oh, it's like, you know, what, what style are you? Oh, it, I call it fighting without fighting, right? Like, <laughs> why, why fight yourself? Why, why put yourself in a scenario where you're trying to get something done for Halloween and you pick a character like a month before that? Why, you know, if you're going to do a Chrome Beskar Mandalorian... I, and I see this mistake all the time and I'm not yeah. criticizing, but it's just like, it's, it's very obvious to me. It's like, okay, this is the first time you used an airbrush. It's the first time yeah. you try to get a super gloss black finish. You're trying to do it in a dusty environment. 
And then you do the helmet first because it's exciting. And then it's like, oh, the paint all crackled because I thought I was supposed to. And it's like, okay, listen to the advice. Don't rush something. And, you know, one of the number one things is like if you're practicing these, you know, skills – just painting like plastic spoons, right? Like right. just just get that process down first. Cause like, you know, people will go, Oh, I had this problem with this helmet. And like the first things we always ask is, What brand of paints did you use? What sort of environment or temperature are you in? Are you airbrushing it? Is it a siphon feed or you know, what kind of uh equipment are you using? What pressures are you spraying at? How did you do your your gloss black is it just like pure gloss black or right did you do like a a black primer and then you did a, a gloss clear like you know what and then yeah. that you know how long did that cure like it's like yes it seems like a lot of questions and we're not i don't think we're trying to make it um a thing where like everybody has to do it this way look if everybody right. had to do it one way we would all have friends that own auto body shops that can do perfect a perfect oh, Ferrari black seriously. for us. Okay, yeah, right. And then and then uh, we'd all buy you know we'd all have big budgets that we could buy gallons of Illumiluster and we could do it exactly the way. But we don't. Okay? Yes, we, you know you you went out to Harbor Freight and you bought a twenty dollar airbrush and you're right. borrowing your sister's cake making compressor and you're in your dad's garage where he just cut like twenty two by fours. Like you're, yeah. you're you're dealing you're working with what you're dealt right yeah. or you're dealt the cards that you're dealt with. So I think a lot of times it's about picking the right process that works for you. There's yeah. some people that are like, you know what? I live in an apartment. I'm trying to do this best car. I can't, it's okay that it's not a hundred percent. You know, what can I do? And I'll be like, go out and get like a Chrome rattle can paint. Like, you know, like, you know, spastics makes one, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, there's a duplicolor Chrome. There's a Montana Chrome. Like, yeah, these will get you in the ballpark, right? Like these will sure. totally get you there. And I've used, I've used these products on like other builds. They yeah. will work for you, but I think it's sometimes just, look, before you rush into it and go whole hog, just take a few steps back and just, you know, this goes back to kind of like my training, like from from even like university and stuff. It's like, do the research, you know, other people can can help you. Other people have done the research. They're willing to share, but you have to at least put the time into reading it, right? Like, so, you know, take a little bit of time to educate yourself before you take that first onto the helmet and like don't wreck the most important part i always tell people like you know they're weathering something what should i i'm like start with the back of your ankle right like Ah, no one's gonna look down there no one's gonna look right like so if you screw something up no one's gonna care i literally helped i i I filmed a video where i I helped a friend weather their um astromech like their r2 yeah and literally the first part we stuck because he didn't know he was really squeamish about how dirty it would be and his kids like really love r2 and they didn't want to see it dirty and I literally started with the back of the ankle because if we screwed it up, we could wipe it off. Right. And start over and no one's ever going to notice it. Because when you walk right. up to R2, what are you going to look at? You're going to look at his eye, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you walk up to a Mandalorian, what do you look at? You're going to look at his helmet. His helmet, right? yep. Because So there's there's certain things that are ingrained into us in human nature. Like when you when you see characters like a Pixar film or whatever, you know, the reason why they always look so good, like they spend tons of time on their eyes, yeah. right. faces. That's yeah. what you're drawn to. That's what you, there's a human connection there. Sure. So even with a Mandalorian, even it's just a slit, the fact that it's a head and you're like, I don't really know where I'm supposed to look, but. But I know that eyes are on a bulbous part on top of your shoulders. On the top yeah, of your right. body, right. So if you're right. going to, if you're going to, if you're talking about your pain experience, 
should leave the helmet, in my opinion, to last because it's the thing that is the most important. So, you know, start with your, like your back armor, your hip armor. Those are Beskar, right? Like practice on those, you know, like if you screw those up, no one's really going to care. It's covered with a cape, right? Yeah. So um, it's just taking that time to kind of think about that process. And I think... You know, I, I think, you know, when you were talking about the whole sort of like duplicate thing or whatever earlier, it's what I would like to do is, and I would like to see other makers do this even more. I, I do, I do see the sharing, right. But like, I would love to see this more where people, um, bring in their expertise from other areas that they are experts in. Like, yeah. I'm not an expert in everything. People are like, oh, how did you get, like, you're, you just finished Admiral Akbar. It's so awesome. And I'm like, I'm not a rubber monster person. I, I've never, right. I'm not like a late, I made like little latex appliances for a makeup a couple times, sure. but I've never made like a full monster mask kind of yeah. latex yeah. thing. And they're like, well, how'd you do it? And I'm like, well, I bought $40 worth of latex and I practiced yeah, on this thing right, first yeah. that no one's going to see because that looks awful or that's going to yeah. get thrown away. And sure. then, you know, you get better at it. And by the third time you've done something, you know, you're going to be pretty good at it, right? So I think that's... I hope so, Terry. Yeah. You're, you I can hope, do it. You can I hope, do it. I was going to I was gonna say, I hope, uh, I, you know, after I finish this, this Beskar build, I'm going to get, uh, you know, people going, hey... Yours turned out pretty good. Do you think you could do it for me? And I'll be like, ah, <laughs> probably not. But um, you know, I it, it, it th- those are such great points that you make, Terry, about you know people bringing in expertise. And I think that it is difficult, you know. And I and I commend you because nothing about your setup really, you know. I mean, and you've made you've obviously made an investment into understanding why different tools do what they do. And, and, and it's cool because you had that experience, but then some of these people, especially when you look at the prices of commissions, sure. It's, it's a good, it's a good way for some people who are very talented to make a little Absolutely. side hustle. And Only- I look at someone that, and, and Tim Harrison is in that group and I'm, I'm going to have sure. him on the show, but it's like, you know, you look at what he made in his studio in Chicago it's like he built a full-on airtight, completely sealed, humidity-controlled yeah. uh, spray booth because he yep. was doing so many of these Beskar builds. And same thing sure. with like you know Jason props down in 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 Las Vegas. These these people have made the investment to take a part of their building, a part of their home, and that's all they do. And so it's really hard, I think, for people to not get down on themselves because they go, well, how come I don't get the same finish? Right. But, but I look at a lot of your YouTube uh, videos and they're so helpful for saying, here's what you can do if you don't have this, or here's right. what you can do, or this is what I recommend. And I really do appreciate that you don't say, talk down to someone when, when they're, they're just kind of approaching this because it is so, it, it's so easy to be dismissive and say, Oh, well, do you have a, you know, Iowata HC30, right. you know, right. and you're like, no, yeah. I don't have a freaking $500 right. automotive spray gun. And then there are some people who go, well, then you just ain't going to get the good finish. And you're like, right. is that true? Um, right. So I, I just, I have to commend you for being, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of a, uh, a fishing net for grabbing people that are kind of on all different scales of sure. budget or, or having abilities to say, Hey, let me, 
let me take the pieces that you have and let's see what we can do to put it together. Because right. yeah, you know, I, and I think it's super helpful. I think we need more people like that in costuming, especially as we get further and further into, um, we're having these debates right now going, is vacuum forming slowly going the way of the Buffalo in terms of how we're doing modern props, especially in star Wars, because that drew had talked about this on his episode, the, the armor, the plastic armor of stormtroopers sure. running through the death star are so noisy. The clack, clack, clacking of the, right. of the armor and everything now is made out of silicone and sure. it's more flexible for the actors. Absolutely. It's paint, you know? And, and so it's really hard to start going, man, don't we kind of miss the old school, you know, put the buck down on the thing and pull the plastic down and yeah. and out because that's how they did it. But now it's everything is, you know, I mean, gosh, they're, they're measuring, you know, they're measuring people and Cara Dune's armor has a, you know, a screen printed metallic glaze on it that is just makes it look right. like, you know, and, and it's getting, I think, a little bit harder and harder for the hobbyists to get into it just because the level of where sure is pushing it is getting to that point where it's going yeah you know there there well, aren't many there aren't well i was gonna say there aren't many people who are making fan made let's say shazam or one of these other characters you remember you know there are a couple of guys who made the original 1990s teenage mutant Ninja turtles latex suits right and star wars is so much more accessible and we also have a costuming community that chases this franchise down wherever it goes but it's changing because the equipment and the way that we're designing stuff is reflective of the fact that it's 2021 uh, and and they're doing stuff that they have access to that they're able to make. And I know that it's different because with 3D printers, we're kind of also catching up and resin printers right. are super helpful. Um, you know, what's your what's your take on that, Terry? It's a, it's a big question because there's a lot of stuff there. But um, I want to go back to the very beginning – and thank thank you for for recognizing that um, about the you know when I do videos or I'm trying to help someone uh, I'll say you know if you have this use this if you don't have that that's okay you can try this yeah. it 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 never was a um, wasn't so much of a thing where I'm like this is something I want to do I want to make sure that I I cater to w where that comes from is a bit of my upbringing of like okay I'm. These are the cards I'm dealt. I I don't have Spider-Man pajamas, right? I gotta, <laughs> sure, I gotta sure. use a construction paper mask. But yeah. the it's you gotta remember that and I think we need to remember this all the time with people that are like in Facebook groups or forums or whatever. Not everyone wants to join a club. Okay. They yeah. wanna, there's there's the one guy that wants the sweet Mandalorian costume for his office party. He's gonna spend some money on it. He likes painting stuff. He's not going to go all the way to town. He doesn't. It doesn't matter that he doesn't have the right Himalayan Mount Fuji blue, uh, whatever. Right, right. You know. Right. Right. It's he wants to be close enough, and we shouldn't. The the one thing I wanted to talk about as a topic was accuracy and and elitism, whether it's in a costuming community or whether yeah. it's in the five hundred first. Okay. So, yeah. um, just to to go off on that for a second, um, I. I was so I was Garrison CEO for many years. I was also a a GML for many years. It was a little bit disheartening when I when I got some feedback and you know a few people that sort of a few things that happened during the time that I was a GML 
you know, some people were saying like, well, you know, you approved that person really quickly because they're your friend or something, mm -hmm. right? Or like, oh, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was, you know, this other person in this command role and you, you approved them or, you know, oh, you did that costume and you approved yourself, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, back up a second here. Yeah, yeah. I want you to take a minute and just think about who you're talking about. Like no ego or anything here. Like I've worked as a professional commercial artist and art director for like, over two decades. Like yeah. if you can't think that I can take that hat off for a second and like, I'm not going to judge somebody else the same way to the standards that I hold myself personally. Right. right? Like if, if I want to like my, I, and I, and I, I'm, I am proud of this. I'm not going to, I am going to toot my own horn. God damn it. Uh, yeah, the, go uh, for like it, my, Terry. my, my sand trooper is the stop that ship trooper. And I did the, the weathering patterns in exactly the same shape and way as the original stop that ship. I don't think people have like noticed that. Right. Yeah. But there's like all these little specific patterns on the chest that are like, uh, exactly like that trooper. Now, if someone applies as a sand trooper, I'm not going to hold them to that standard. That's silly. Right. They need to have weathering that looks like weathering. And yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a professional, right. I can recognize that. Um, and I think that that sort of perspective, that sort of objective perspective, we, it doesn't matter whether you're part of a club, not part of a club, whether you're a staff member or not, we need to take a moment and take a step back, right? There's, yeah. there's, there was, we had an incident once um, at one of our conventions. Actually, no, it wasn't, it wasn't our garrison. It was in another garrison, but it was a member that was there. And they had some friends that were just like, they were just dressed up in, oh yeah, it's awesome. We're going to have a convention this weekend. And this one sure. member, he dressed up as five was first thing. And then the other ones were like, yeah, Star Wars. So they just like threw together whatever. Yeah. And they're yeah, like, sure. oh, it's awesome. Let's go to the photo booth. And and then you had, you know, some 501st people that were in this booth that were, you know, it's just like maybe they don't know that their voice amp is on or something. And it's like they're making these sort of snarky comments about how that person's Jedi wasn't really good enough or whatever. And it's yeah, like, yeah, hold yeah. on a second. Like they're not even here for that. They were here because they wanted to have fun. Yeah. They're not applying for anything. Right. So like maybe stop being judgy, right? So the 501st and sometimes Rebel Legion, some of these other clubs sometimes get accused of being elitists because it's yeah. like, oh, unless you, you know, you meet these really strict guidelines, you're not allowed to join. And then we have these other standards that are like even higher. And I, I don't think that that, I, I don't think that that is explained very well to sure. the general public. And I don't sure. think that that's explained very well to applicants. Like I've suggested this a few times and it's like, it's not my job, you know, like I'm, I'm not um, a Legion, you know, level uh, staff person or something, but it's uh, like, sure. I feel like they should make these, um, do you remember those like NBC videos where it's like, and now, you know, right. Or GI <laughs> yeah, Joe, yeah, now yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. no one's half the battle, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, uh, but it's like, Oh, why does the 501st have standards? Well, okay, the whole point is that you can't just go into Walmart and buy like the $40 foam, you know, onesie stormtrooper and join with that. And because we want to have those cool opportunities where you get to go to a movie premiere or you get to represent this or that, or you want to go to this hospital and this kid is, you know, he's going to recognize that all the stormtroopers are the same except for the one Walmart guy, like that's we have. We're trying to create a a presence and an impression, right? 
So we, you know, there's this minimum standard that needs to be met. If you want to go higher, that's on you. If you want to go back right. like Terry and make the stop that ship dirt patterns, that's totally up to you because you enjoy that, right? Right. But that should never be um, pressed on applicants or non-club members. And I feel like we need, we, I say we just, you know, being a member of almost every single one of these clubs is like, we need to do a better job of communicating that and expressing that. Sure. Because I will see, I'll, it's so disheartening. Like I'll see one, um, you know, whatever, it's a Facebook group or a costuming group or something. And, and you know, they'll be like, oh, I, I bought this some sort of, you know, costume armor kit or Star Wars character, you know, and I just put it together for this con. And then like, I was immediately being criticized, like, just like I was saying before, like walking yeah, past yeah, this yeah. booth or something. And it's like, washer as hell ain't gonna join them now you right, know and right. then like you get their friends and they're like yeah if i first they're elitist jerks and, you know, and yeah, it's like yeah. okay you know i've done this i feel cool as often as i can and i hope to do it more where i'm like i would love to meet these people at a convention or something and go look i'd love to you know have a conversation with you to explain sure. some of this yeah and i also want to show you um and hopefully explain and help you understand as to why some of these standards are in place. So it's not, it's not trying to force a level of elitism on people. It's to try to make sure that you meet this minimum standard. But so, so often, as I was explaining earlier, when someone builds a stormtrooper or something, they're like, oh, I've never done this before. So awesome. I learned so much. And now I want to do this. And you'll find like, this person a year ago didn't even glue two pieces of anything together before. And suddenly a year later, they're like, I want to go for this like level two thing. And I want to have this. And then I'm going to make a second version. I'm, because I'm they're, building SWAT. I'm building a SWAT costume. Yeah. 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 Because they're enjoying it and they're having right. fun and they found their people and people like what they did. So let them enjoy that. Right. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not trying to take away anything either, but I think it's so important that we, as sort of little quote unquote leaders in the community to like yeah. make sure that that's communicated in the right way. Um, yeah. I, I, you mentioned earlier, yeah, I did this like Chirrut Imway build and, and I was one of, I wasn't necessarily the first one in, in the Rebel Legion, but like I wanted to do a really detailed build thread because I'm like, the Rebel Legion is notorious for having like very, uh, generic and not detailed descriptions of costumes like sure. even some of them and i am i'm not criticizing it's just everyone's busy everyone's volunteers right but it's like right, right. so often it'll be like you know just you know whatever like x-wing pilot you know you need to have all these things and then it's yeah, like orange jumpsuit it'll have a, uh, okay it'll have like a description of the boots the boots will be like oh mid calf but then the photo shows like tall boots you know like just right. i get it they're <laughs> right. like small yeah, mistakes yeah, yeah. but it's like sure. if you're gonna use this as a guide to explain this a new person you have to make that appealing and interesting and as easy to digest as possible again this person has never sewn anything they've not glued anything together before you gotta if you're gonna tell them to do mid calf boots, you gotta show them a picture of mid calf boots, right? And right. it's like, right? I get it. It's a whole other thing, you know, server costs and volunteers and updating pictures, and it's like a, it turns into a big thing. But I again, I think as you know, anybody who's into these different clubs and communities, we as as you know the 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 torch bearers, right? We need to mm -hmm. make sure mm -hmm. that we're we want new people to join. Okay. The reason why there's like a, like I'm, I recently, not recently, a little while ago, 
subscribe to like Stan Winston school is like, not only do they, yeah, whatever, this might be a business for them, right? I don't know how sure. successful in terms of a business model it is for Stan Winston school to have videos and classes and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, a lot of it too is like, imagine if that makeup effects industry or this prop industry, if they didn't teach people this stuff and those skills disappear, like who's going to do it? in the future who's going to carry that torch right the like CGI how many people right? yeah, <laughs> absolutely um but i think that you know over the last 10 years or so you've seen the benefits of like having something practical and cgi and that when the, when it's done really well and you cut back and forth between them it's like it it merges seamlessly and i think it's the skill and professionalism of the people in these industries that you know that, that are able to showcase and share their skills. That's why I think it's important to showcase and share my skills, even though my skills are like, you know, a tenth of what they <laughs> they might have. I just think that's really important. Um, anyways, that was my whole thing on. I, I felt it was important that we that we talk about the whole. No, that's that's uh, great. Yeah, you know. that that that's that's it is it is a very 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 important important reminder for us to have as, as representatives of these great clubs, because I, I feel like my general philosophy with the 501st Legion, I had a couple of people, I, I, you know, I, I was a young member. I was super excitable. I'm a graphic designer and I had, you know, jumped in, I got approved and like three weeks later, I'm like, have we considered updating our logo for the garrison? And like right, some, of yeah, these, sure. some of these people that were like three TK numbers, which for people who are going, what's that? The Legion, added numbers to you have a, a number that's referred to you so that you you they can see how many members are in the group and three you know three numbers so if you're tk you know four two one or whatever that means that you've been in the legion for a long time because long time. a lot of yeah for those numbers are gone now but um it, it, it it's i feel like what the Legion has kind of changed in, and this podcast isn't isn't affiliated with the Legion, but we're members, and I have many people who are members of that are that are on it. But you you see, I think with some of our our long longer standing members, is that you just take an age. And Terry, you're you're in your fifties, and you understand this you know this process that Star Wars wasn't always cool liking liking star wars and then rather than it just being entertaining versus maybe being a little bit older than you quote unquote should have and going out and buying the toys and keeping right. them in your house that stuff wasn't cool in in the late 80s that was like people got beat up for wearing star wars shirts here in america because sure. the culture was different and so when i think when these clubs had started up it was kind of like you found people that maybe had been told that they were silly or like oh you're sure. spending you're spending a stupid amount of money on a costume just to dress up like right. a stormtrooper and i feel like then they became united as as a brotherhood in other people who were saying hey are you, are you guys cool with this because i am and this right. is what makes me happy and so it it turned into a almost like they didn't realize that maybe they were being gatekeepy because they 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 were worried that it would become too popular and not not in a sense of saying you know not in a sense of saying it's star wars is the most popular thing out there for any you know film franchise but i, I think what it turned into was 
you had people that were just very protective because they had felt like they had gone through a gauntlet of saying, now that Star right. Wars is cool for almost everybody, uh, it wasn't cool when we were getting started with this. And so now you want to sure. show up to the party after, you know, we've we've played all the music that chased all every, everybody else out. And now all of a sudden you want to tell me punk rock is cool. Well, right. you know, you know, we were here playing it really loud when, you know, you guys right. told us that New Wave was the coolest and we stayed down here and wore our black leather jackets. So I, I think I think I, I try to always empathize because I work with a lot of college students. I sure. work with a lot of people who have a lot of different opinions about stuff. And I always try to empathize when I see that people, you know, it, it's that whole thing that we had kind of joked about at the beginning of the conversation, the, uh, you know, go to the forums, earn it yourself. Right. I, I completely agree with you that there has to be, you know, and, and, and we do, we, we maintain these standards one to honor the incredible decisions that made this franchise stick around for as long as it has, and then continue to be built upon. We honor those people that made those decisions, that that brought that stuff to life, that captured the imaginations of so many of us. So there's part of those standards that that we want we to honor those decisions. But ex- another thing to your point is we do it, we have all the stormtroopers look alike because we want to suspend disbelief. Right. We want to suspend the idea that if you are a, a a person walking around in your hometown and all of a sudden you see 15 stormtroopers with authentic costumes, you're like, Star Wars is here. Star Wars right. is at my – it, Star Wars is right in front of me. It, it, it is that unique thing that, that I have joked about on this on this conversation before where you see a person in a fantastic Captain America outfit. But if he, it's not Chris Evans, you're like, oh, cool costume. Star Wars, everyone has helmets on, most of them, right? right. Or, 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 or there's a, you know, you find that one person that looks like the character or, or right. does the, right. you know, does the long hair for Anakin and you're like, dang, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but but I, I feel like that's, that's all part of the conversation that we have to remind ourselves that it, it shouldn't, just because a person isn't level three doesn't mean that they're not going to make just as much of an impact as a level one when they walk into a hospital and tell a kid who might not make it out. Absolutely. Hold on, hold on, buddy. And I and I some and we and it's hard because we all love the franchise, and we all love the idea that we want to build costumes to make them to the highest standard, right? But there's that, no that's, right. It's the whole like I'm a fan. No, you. I'm a fan. Yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. no wrong fan. Everybody, right, right. right. And like, and, yeah. and and the Legion calling Frank Ippolito like, how could they do this to the biker scouts? You're like, tell me that Frank <laughs> Ippolito isn't the biggest Star Wars fan. Like, come on. You know, yeah. so I, I think I think these are all like really helpful reminders for all of us uh, to to have fun and 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 to be patient and take something out of your book, Terry. In my opinion, of of working with people and being advocates for normalizing the fact that I say this on the show: being an adult is boring. We all have our, we all have our days where we're working our jobs, and this is kind of given, especially for me. I know for you and and a lot of other people that we have on this show, it gives us kind of a second life of of having adult friends with adult money sure. that go out and we spend, we kind of spend a lot of ridiculous amounts of time and ridiculous amounts of money for something that we find is really is really incur is a uh, uh, it's 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 gratifying. It's it's sure. fun. It's fun for to make this stuff, and and I think yeah, it's, it's important to to remind ourselves of that. I think when you you know if someone like really loves baseball, 
and you hang out with your you play ba- you grew up playing baseball you played in little league you you know you did this and your dad you know played in the minors and then you're yeah. like, you follow everything and your buddies are into baseball and you go to weekend games and you coach your kids team it's like you you found your people right like that's why it's fun you must love it you must still enjoy right. it cuz it's fun right yeah and you have to understand that like for a lot of us in these communities like you said like just think about it for a second right like i'm i'm like an asian canadian it's like you know my parents are immigrants it's like there were no asians on mainstream tv you know yeah, like there, sure. there there wasn't really a lot of role models right like so for me to find something and and find other people with this similar interest that are going back to this again uber passionate about it to the point of obsession like i mean we joke about this and i'm not making fun of baseball people but like how how would you remember like well do you remember like hammering hank hank aaron in 19 blah 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 he batted a whatever i'm like how would you remember all that but yet i can remember what kind of plastic was used for this or that or whatever (laughs) right because we're total nerds but like you know i think you find like-minded people you enjoy sharing these experiences together. And I think it's just about, you know, enjoying each other's time and respecting each other's time. Like I, I love that someone would be that passionate about baseball and they want to share that yeah, with everyone yeah. around them. And they yeah. got banners in their house and the jerseys. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's super cool. I would never, ever make fun of that. But, right. but you know, almost in reality, we were made fun of because yeah. this was not cool. Right. Right. I, I right. think, you know, something that I experienced, um, very early on with, with some of the, the clubs was I think too, you, you know, you had members that were, um, you know, potentially like staff members in this, that had been in the club for a long time and sort of like they were there when, when nothing was there. So they helped that, right. they've got that legacy right. of like helping to build, you know, your, your local squad or your garrison or yeah. your local club, yeah. or your, you know, even if it's not related, it's like, it could be an anime club at a college or something like they, they were there for 10 years. Otherwise yeah. this wouldn't have even happened. And oftentimes it gets a little bit intimidating. Like, um, like when I first joined, I mean, I, I have a, even at that time, what was it? 2009. I had a pretty diverse skill set, right? Like, like sure. yeah, I'm a graphic designer, illustrator. I've made videos. I've run, like, I ran events. I worked with charities. So, like, I worked with, you know, Make-A-Wish and BC Children's Hospital and Canuck Place already, like, when I was working at EA. And so, when I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, let's get some events. We don't have any flyers. Like, where's our yeah, patches? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Promotions. like, I was just trying to, like... We need it. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. Just, I was trying to make it happen. And I think almost some people took a, some people took offense to that cuz it's like whoa, whoa whoa slow down kid you just literally joined like 2 weeks ago and we're not yeah, yeah. we're not at that pace and i and i yeah. respect that i respect their their legacy and the time that they've put to build but at the same time like at you know something i learned that was really important in my in my sort of graphic design and my software career very place, various places I worked, um, you know, you'd have like interns or students like, oh, here's someone right. on a student experience thing from a local college and they're here for like yeah. two weeks or a month or whatever. And, um, I, you know, oftentimes I'd get them and I'd mentor them. And it was it sort of became like a little bit of a joke where like the other artists on the team were like, okay, yeah, well, here, we'll, we'll give them this, all this crappy stuff to do, you know, the stuff that doesn't, nobody wants to do. And I would give them some of that. And then I would give them something really juicy like I'd be like, hey, we're working on this game, 
and um, you know, I'm working on designing these vehicles and I, and I want you to design this one vehicle. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I want you to design this like, one like, vehicle. Like the Is color that... of it? You're like, no. No, no, no. I'm talking about from scratch, top to bottom. You know, draw it out. And I want to see drawings. I want to see sketches. And they'd be like, "Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 3D modeler, and I don't, I don't really draw stuff." And I'm like, "Well, I'm we're, we're this is how you trial by fire, yeah. right? So you're gonna pick up a pencil, you get a piece of paper, and I want you to draw ten snowmobiles, right? You know, like like and like so often. I this has worked like nine and point eight times out of ten. I give people an opportunity, and they will like they will double down." Right, like yeah. they will do the extra effort, and they'll do the homework and the research, and they, be, and whether Working it was on like it at a night, make, they come in in the morning with like, sure, oh, I, I was thinking there. about this all night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like whether they knocked it out of the park or not, um, and and honestly, yeah, nine times out of ten, they did knock it out of the park. It's like they they learned so much through that process, right? Right. And um, and always they would tell me they'd be like, I had I had the best opportunity with you. This has been such a great experience. Cause you trusted me with this thing. And I said, you know, if you do it and you job and you succeeded and we're able to use it, great. And if it didn't work out and you failed, I feel like you're going to learn from that failure. Right? I'm right. not trying to set you up to fail, but I'm like, if nobody gave you that opportunity, how would you ever learn anything? Right. right. And right. so I always, I have a different approach where it's like, people always sort of joked about it. Like, Oh, you know, you're an art director. Like you can just, Say whatever you want, do whatever you want, make it any color you want. And I said, no, that's not the way I work. When I work in a group environment, I like to get everybody's feedback. I will make the ultimate decision. And I don't care if you're an intern or someone who's barely worked on this. I still want to hear your feedback. I will take it all in, but I will make the final call. Sure. But I want to make sure that that's an inclusive experience. Definitely. And so it was very different, different for me. You know, I first joined these clubs and I'd be like, yeah, let's make the patches and let's do this. And I was really, <laughs> you know, uh, excited about it. And, and I had to sort of like slow it down and go, look, sure. these people have been here for a while. They built it when there was nothing. Can't just go and like take everything and change it all in one day. They yep. might not want to change it. So, sure. you know, again, it's that taking that step back, right? And looking at it from a certain point of view, a broader perspective, yeah, yeah. so that you're taking people's... um just, you know, sort of opinions and stuff into account because that's really important. Yeah. But I, my, my point around all this is, is just that it's, it's good. It's often good to get that sort of like fresh blood in because they can make things, you know, more exciting. You're able, like, I, I remember when I first joined um, the 501st, you know, on paper, it said we had like 27 members but it, like that really wasn't the case right it was like yeah. oh look there's three people locally that like were changing in a bathroom you know for this like, yeah, comic book yeah, day right. or something sure, sure. you know um but it was it's i feel it's always good to try to get you know new people interested because yeah. you know even at a certain point for me i just got like super busy whether it's work or family and sure. it also just became like really stressful too, to try to do so many things. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a step back and uh, I'm still, I'm still a member of, of all these clubs, but I'm like, you know what? I, I used to go literally to like every event, you yeah. know, and, and now I'll pick and choose and it'll be like, sure. it's the two or three a year like that. I just like, this is where I feel like I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. And, yeah. um, a good time and it's like stress-free right so yeah. i just feel that that's really really important i sorry and i totally 
I realized I went over. I'm, I'm writing notes because otherwise I'm going to forget. Right? Yeah, like, it's fine. That's you fine. Were, uh, you were asking about the whole like, um, you know, has vacuum forming or whatever kind of lost its way, or you know, yeah. like with 3D and all this, you know. So sure. it's been really interesting, and and it's actually something that um, occurred to me when my wife when she mentioned something to me. She's like, oh, you know, they have all this like high def makeup now for for you know whatever people, you know, women or newscasters yeah. or whatever, even men, right, men right, too, right. you know, they'll put this like high def makeup on. I'm like, what's that all about? And they're like, well, now that like TVs and stuff are all high def, you know, people's like pores and wrinkles, you know, yeah, like, yeah, so it's yeah. like, I started to notice that more. Right. I'm like that news anchor, he's got the high def makeup on his face, but he didn't put it on his neck, you know, yeah, like, yeah, so he's like, he's tan. Ooh, yes, he's, yes, yes. The <laughs> microfine. Yeah. So it's like, he's more tan, but like his face is more pale. But like, I think, you know, you got to remember 1977, they're trying to make like whatever, 50, 60 stormtroopers. This was the fastest way to generate that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. And you don't have the budgets like you do now. Like if you're making like some Marvel movie, it's a 200 whatever, you know, if you're making Jurassic something, it's like a 200 some odd million yeah, dollar yeah. movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And you have the time and the resources to be able to do this sort of thing. So, you know, it made me even think to back to like... um. 2002 Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. But like the the, the costume, oh. right? It had the yes. raised raised webbing. Right. And it was amalgamated dynamics that did it and then the 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 top portion of the webbing was like actually like gunmetal, it wasn't black. Right. And then the um spandex of course was like screen printed, printed with the yeah. with the now familiar uh, brick pattern, right? You know, right. and it was actually screen printed in multiple layers. So right. you had like a you know a, a dark red and then a medium yeah. red and a light red and then the brick layer and blah, blah, blah. it was like yeah. so many layers. Um and now a lot of that's obviously dye sublimation or there's right. like thermal transfers. And I worked in screen printing, so I was like, I'm like, I know exactly what that is. They screen yeah, sure. the thing and with the raised sure. ink and they put it on the heater and then it raised the puff you know, ink. Uh puff puff ink, yeah. Yeah. So I think even during that time, you know, you think about it and you're like, Look, it is sort of there was a line in the X Men movie that's like, Man, these Costumes aren't comfortable, right? With the leather, right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I can't remember. It was like Cyclops. He's like, "What did you expect? We were gonna wear yellow and blue spandex, right?" Yeah. It's it's true. Like, so I personally love when you know it's a convention and you have someone in like the just old school Superman. It's like blue, red, yellow belt with the with like the no underwear. shading. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, right. The underwear. He's got the little curl, and then I love the. Um, uh, like, you know, sort of like Borderlands style, like with the black lines and everything, right? Like, I love that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, but then, and then it'd be like, oh, okay, law, wow, look at the Spider Man, you know, raised webbing and all this. And it's like, but you got to think about whether it's, you know, you know, uh, home entertainment or, you know, entertainment now in, in TV and film or in film, everything's so much more high resolution, right? You've got yeah. 4K, 6K, right. 8K cameras, you know, even though stuff, um, and, you know, most theaters are, are are digital, right? So they're projecting in these higher resolution. And you're seeing stuff so much more detail up close. So by nature of the, um, what do you call it? Sort of like the end channel of your product being yeah. higher resolution sort of demands that your source material be higher resolution, right? Right. So what worked back in the day with vacuforming, you know, would that, would that pass now? And, you know, I remember having this conversation on uh, White Armor. People were, oh, we first saw those Rogue One Stormtroopers. What's going on? Everything's like too sharp. And, oh, what, yeah. what, what is all these extra like panels and lines and things? And it's like, probably just take a chill pill. You realize what's happening 
is the reason why the tube straights aren't like hand painted <laughs> brush lines, the blue lines or stickers anymore is because you're seeing it up close. That's why they're like indented now. That's why they're symmetrical. That's why they're this. Yeah. That's why they're that. Because they're trying to add this extra level of detail. I remember um, even in Rogue One, they were like, oh, the, the X-Wing jumpsuits. It's sort of like fills in the blanks of like how you remember them but it's yeah. like they're now like a sort of in rogue one they're shiny. like a shiny yeah, yeah. they're yeah, shiny right. right right and it was like well like a spacesuit is shiny now yeah. like in terms yeah. of our like right. you know whatever um spacex going into you know it's like well, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are like high-tech materials yeah now. exactly right they have to be you know so like they're just trying to like up at that extra little notch so you know, back to your question of like, oh, is vacuum forming done? Like, no, I, I, I don't think it's done because there's a time and place for it. It depends on what you need. So like yeah. I just did this gig for um a local prop shop and it was for um it was for this new T V series called Yellow Jackets. And it's hmm. like Christina Ricci and I, 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 I correct me someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize if I got it wrong, but like it's like this this girl's um soccer team when they're in their whatever late teens and then their plane like crashes in the forest like it's they, they can't get back home and then it's kind of like you know if you imagine you know lord of the flies meets i don't know abandoned like lost right oh, okay. like they're, yeah, they're sure. stuck there so then they okay. have to like create their own like government and hierarchy yeah yeah but then i think it it flashes back and forth to like 20 years later so they're like now that modern day they're 40 years old oh that's cool. like oh remember when we had to crash in the you know and we had to survive and sure i hate your guts or whatever right? yeah, yeah yeah but like anyway so i was contracted to make these um it's like you know like when you're on a plane it's like boop 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 and then the oxygen yeah. masks fall yeah, off right. and then they're dangling you put yeah. and then normally it's like a clear bag and then it's yeah. got a yellow a yellow cup that you put over your mouth with an elastic sure. on it and they were like okay we need like you know 50 of these things but in clear and i'm like why do you need it in clear don't you just like go buy these don't they come in like every color and they the go no they only spaces as you got to see the actors faces yeah so right, like if they're yes. all these like 19 year old girls soccer team uh when they all got ponytails and, and they're all wearing the same jerseys you can't tell who's who right you want to be able to go oh it's karen you know and she's like, oh my god we're gonna crash you know like and those had to be vacuum formed clear pet g like how else are you gonna make you don't have time or the budget to like have clear injection i mean these again these are like due in like a week right so right. they have to play so i I personally use vacuum forming in a different way. So like I, I still make, I do, I'm, I, I make TK armor. That's one of the things that I do vacuum form. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. So it's the, the, the proper way, right. Of the, the pro original the trilogy. Way, like, yep. Fan, fan made bucks refined over time. So like, um, um, like I make, uh, the RT mod armor now. Right. So, okay. um, and it's very much is like, it's, it's, it's a art engineering and a science. Yeah, because like I could literally hand the equipment to someone, and they're like, "I can't, I can't do it. I don't know what you're the hell you're doing, but like you're doing something different than the way I'm doing, <laughs> and I'm doing everything with the same time and the same temperature, and it is it's yeah, an sure. art, and there's a skill to it." Um, sure. But I personally use vacuum forming in a different way, right? So if it's a costume that I think can get away with it, um, I will use it. So recently, I had to do something for um, Vancouver Canucks. It was like the our, Vancouver Canucks is like our, our local NHL hockey team. 
And um, they did well, had this intro. Terry, I'm a I'm a Red Wings diehard. Oh, there so, you go. Uh, you there know, you go. The, the Canucks. You are familiar uh, with hockey. Hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. And I and I've loved all the even the old school Pavel Bure with the with the skate. Yes. Before they the went Russian to the rocket. Yeah, that's right. Before they went yes. to the modern uh, uh, Pacific Northwest, the Haida tribe, which is no, also so they awesome. Did the, that's that's also that's also outdated. The C with the orca on it. Yeah, they've they've moved oh, yes, on. Yes, I yes. think they've actually gone right. back to the skate. Whatever. Anyways, um, but they did this like you know how they always have these like fancy intro videos. Yeah, like, you know, you're Vancouver Canucks, and then they right, would play right. this video before the game, and they had this sort of like Game of Thrones themed one. You can go look it up on YouTube if you look up okay. Canucks Game of Thrones. It's Sweet. like these Canucks players are like on the ice, and it's all dark, and and then it's like these ice zombies is like the opposing team. Okay, and they're going after the Canucks, and they're getting you know knocked down, and then um. The, the the player you know looks over to the bench, and they see like the the legend players of the team you know like you can do it you know sort of thing yeah, right yeah. and then now the Canucks are energized and they're like they're like nailing them to the boards and like they smack the the zombies like disintegrate into like oh, nice. ice like they explode sure right? sure and then it takes the shot and the goalie explodes it's 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 really over the top but it's like yeah. It's exciting. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the yeah. fans excited before they start right. the game. And so I had to make this armor for these a couple of these zombies, and I had to make these like sort of over the top, like shoulder, um, like you think kind of like Mad Max, you know, sort yeah, of like, right. like a shoulder armor on top of like a shoulder he, armor. Yeah, right. Right, like, and then, like up, the chest, yeah. like the pectorals, and then it's like, of course, it's like I'm like, what's the size of the guy? Can I come measure him? Oh yeah, it's this guy. I go measure him. And then on the day of the shoot, it's not the same guy. And sure, then it's like yeah. two different guys. And one guy's like 280 pounds, six foot four. The other guy's my height and like 180 pounds. Like, <laughs> but like, what's the, this is in a week. Yeah. How are we going to do this? We don't have right. time or budget to like 3D yeah. print anything or mold anything. We can't cast anything. I made, I have, I have this sort of tricky technique with making really fast bucks that are not okay. necessarily production bucks, but like sure. I can get, um, pulls out of them really quickly. And so I did that. I like put this armor together and um, I painted it and weathered it and I made it look kind of like cast iron. Like it was sort of like forged, forged. from the fires yeah, of yeah. mortar, right. you know, that kind yeah. of thing. That worked perfect, right? Awesome. You had some fake fur around the collar and, you know, it's dark. It's in an arena. There's yeah. fog. Yeah. And they were able to play in this, right? So, it's you know, and I, I did this... Um, I'd like to say it worked successfully, but like we, I, I mean, a, a friend um, made some armor for Supergirl, uh, one of the shows. Yeah, yeah. One of their well, episodes. Vancouver has just been blowing up for it's production. It's all the CW, yeah. You for got the Arrow, past five years. Yeah, Flash, yeah. and right. Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, and um, I did some stuff on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I, all these cool. other shows, right? Oh, once upon a time. Yeah, and um, but it's it's one of these things where we made this armor and it like, it looked really good and there was going to be capes and stuff. And then it's like on the, on the shoot, they didn't put the capes on. They decided not to put the case. So like you could see the straps underneath of us, oh. like how we just like, re but we were like, we were told it was going to be covered because that's what they showed us. Right. Sure. So it's like from the front, it totally sold it, you know, but from the back, you're like, Oh man, Terry, just right. take a page out of the TK one and a half inch elastic, you know? Right. Like that's what we did, but like so, I think in in the right time and place when you know how it's being used, and also too like you can also vacuform stuff and like apply things on top, right? So it really depends on what you're trying to do. 
you know, obviously if you're trying to do um like I think it's still incredibly effective, obviously, for like a stormtrooper or like a custom mando if you're doing like chest things and you know, shoulder armor and stuff. Why not? You can totally use it, right? I think if you're trying to and again, remember, not everyone is trying to apply for the club thing. You've got that whole spectrum of people that someone wants to do a foam build for I've seen amazing foam built Boba Fett's or whatever, right? And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, for real. You got to give them props for for putting the time and effort into that. So, I really think it's just a time and place. Like, what are you trying to use it for? Especially if you're kind of like a consumer cosplayer. In right. terms of like TV and film, I think it's about picking and choosing, right? Like, yeah, and if it was like need 30 soldiers with like chest armor like and you know i've i've gotten or done quotes on stuff like this where it's like okay it's gonna be like we're filming like a samurai movie and we're gonna have like hero you know resin cast urethane armor with like the string and everything for the whatever the 20 hero guy but you know we need like 60 background the guys are on horses like 100 feet away why not? You could use vacuum form armor because you're not, they're not intended to be seen close, right? right. It's going to be dusty and all this sort of thing. So it's just about picking again, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but people ask, you know, what, what would you call yourself? What do you do? You know, and I don't really say, I, I can say like, okay, I'm a graphic designer. I'm an illustrator. I make props. I make costumes. I do this, but I'll just say I'm a creative problem solver. Yeah. Solve people's problems yeah. in a creative way. And sure. it's not always about, the uber you know thing because you know that whole triangle what is it the craftsman's triangle or something of like budget time and quality yeah, right yeah. like you gotta Good, you gotta cheap, lose fast. one of them yeah yeah so oftentimes one of those things is a huge variable to that'll affect the result that someone's gonna want right and most often it's budget or most often it's time yeah and they always want quality right yeah right so right. it's about trying to come up with that creative solution for them and and sometimes it's totally worked for me right it's yeah. it's and i i i also use vacuum forming in a really um different way and 3d printing now too people are always like well don't you just like 3d print everything and i'm like no because like sometimes i don't i can't wait like a day and a half for a print right and yeah. then i have to like sand it and post-process it and and then smooth it and etc and then it gets printed you know a lot of times um, a lot of times I don't actually use full on, um, finished printed pieces. I'll, I'll print something knowing that it's going to be molded and cast. Right. Ah, uh, sure, sure. But, um, I'm like, if there's no power, if the printer dies, if there's a clog, if there's a jam, you're still going to have to make this helmet or whatever out of something. And yeah. so I always want to have that hand skill there because, um, at the end of the day, it's going to come in super handy to be able to, it's again, it's a 3d printer and an airbrush and a compressor. These are all tools, right? I remember when I went to university, oh my God, graphic designer, desktop publishing. This is going to be the death of us all. Cause like, you know, I was like old school cutting like Ruby lift and, you know, like process camera and like sure? set and all this, but like this was the dawn of a new era. Right. And you know, it wasn't so much ingrained into us, but so much as we understood it, we learned it and we understood it. We're like, the computer will help us do this faster. It'll do it more precisely, but it is a tool. Yeah. And if you didn't have that tool, how else were you going to create this 
bat symbol thing that you're going to print on a t-shirt. Well, I could draw it in ink and I could do, oh, there you go. Go do that. Right. You know, you know, but if you can create it in the computer, then it'll be that much faster and it'll be, it'll be super precise. Sure. Design is is putting something visual out there. communication exactly, and that if someone misinterprets your design, it means that the design's not that strong because you you want them to get something from it. And also, you know, uh, the big thing that I work with with design students, I if I give you a piece of blank, will you will you be able to make something? Versus designers get trained to go, what does the client want? What does the client want? Right. What does the client want? Right. And I go, well, no, 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 let's take a step back because like you have this skill set that lets you create visually stimulating things and you also get to use your voice to say what you want. Um, so we, we have to also remember though that everything doesn't have to, you know, take a, you know, a David Carson approach to say, uh, yeah, you know, some rules are meant to be broken and we can know when we, we can test those lines, but also if someone does give you a blank piece of paper, an artist would be able to come up with something, but a designer right. oftentimes has to feel like I need these rules of what I should start right. off. But I need so every, yeah, yeah. everything laid out. What is the, you know, what's the right. point? So it's, it's Terry, we, we have, we have, we are kindred spirits, man. I, I can't tell you um, how, how awesome it's been to, to connect with you and, and have a conversation about, gosh, so many things I know that we could, we could talk about. Um, I, and, and the, Are you I cutting me off. Have, have well, you we know what? Beat, I think I was going to say, have we I think Paul? we've broken the record. <laughs> you know what? If Paul listens to this, I'm going to tell him Terry absolutely, absolutely yes. blew this off. There you go. Yes. Because, and the only reason I think that I have to round it up, Terry, is because I realized that next time if we're at celebration together or I, if we're at a convention together, I think I'll just bring the microphones and then you and I can talk for probably another yes. four hours and it'll just fly by because I can tell that's the way that you and I are. Or, um, or you can invite, invite me back for part two. There right? we go. It's now a two parter you know, or a trilogy. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Actually, that's if something only... that's something I've wanted to do. Sorry, but, but I, like whether it's on, I don't know, I may or may not do it on my own channel, but I, something I wanted to see is more like, um, this kind of interact, you know, obviously like people do like live feeds and people come in and ask yeah. questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But like, I think it'd be really cool to do one where like for you to like pick a subject, like weathering, what do you, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, you know, right. or like, or you're like, you know, uh, 3d printing and like, you know, how do you, how do you get prints to like, look good? You know, it's like picking like a subject matter and then going down because like, I think there are people that are interested in that and it's not, it's talked about, it's discussed, but it's not discussed and talked about like super in depth. Right. 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 And I think for people that really enjoy like, I mean, there's people like droid builders and stuff like they'll nerd out about like all the way down, like, you know, Arduino and programming and all this. And it's like, there's yeah. a, there's a venue and a forum for that. But when you pick these yeah. other subjects that are often like sort of a portion of what you do, right? Like, so yeah. you build costumes, you probably, but like weathering is just a portion of what you do, but sure. it, it's often not really showcased and addressed. Right. And I think right. that's something you know, but anyways, I just think that that that'd be kind of like a cool uh, mini series, if you will. Yeah, that would be, yeah, um, and we have you know. um, the actually the our previous episode, Colin Adams. Uh, he he's he goes by Odd Viking on on Instagram. 
but he he weathers all of his like his cases his his cases for, sure. for stowing armor and they look awesome he's one of my favorite weatherers and i told him that in the show right uh, because he's just got a really he's got a really cool approach to how he handles that um but I think around tabling and, and having discussions with other people cool. who they yeah. respect. It's an awesome idea. Are you are you planning on going to celebration, Terry? I'm not. Um I was actually <laughs> my wife had given me the whole like do the mancation, like, you know, go yeah. ahead, I'll watch the yeah. kid and you know, enjoy. Sure. And this was like for when it was supposed to be in twenty twenty, I guess, right? Twenty nineteen originally. 20, 20, then it went to twenty twenty. And and then boot, yeah, now it's supposed to be next year. It was like year. COVID and then they booted yeah. it and then it was like yep. again. And like as of right now, I mean, yeah, you can, for Canada anyways, you can, you can air travel, but you still have to do like these quarantine things and stuff like sure. that, right? So it's like, sure. like I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to like commit to anything like right now. Um, it's, it's sort of like, it's looking unlikely just with all the stuff that's kind of going on in the world right now. Sure. Right? But um and also too, just like even with my own family, it's like okay, yeah. if it's okay to travel again, I'd want to travel with my family and do something yeah. with them. Yeah. And like yeah. I've I've joked about this, but I'm like I'm not gonna drag my wife and kid around while I That's like yeah. zoom in and take pictures <laughs> of this greebly on this. You know, like because they know right, that right. They're, they're like, go ahead, go enjoy, yeah. go do that, right? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I I. I yeah, I'd love to say, uh, you know, have a great trip and, and, you know, have a good time. All my friends, there are friends of mine that are going to go, sure. and, uh, but definitely safe travels to everybody and hope everybody, uh, uh stays uh, safe and healthy. Sure. Are there any, uh, conventions if, if, you know, it, are, are there conventions in the past and, you know, probably aimed at the Pacific Northwest that you've gone to that you kind of are, are kind of at this part where you're like, Oh, I want to go to that. I would love to go to Emerald city comic con again. I went, um two years and it was a ton of fun and i made a ton of friends with all the washington state clubs um sure it's been it's been really weird because i think the convention got so big and so popular that it was like selling out so like i would be like oh hey my friends are posting on facebook they're going to uh emerald city and then i would go and be like all the tickets are gone right you know yeah yeah, yeah. Um, within the first like 15 minutes yeah totally and then it's like I, I'm assuming maybe it was, I'm guessing it's sort of like different when previously the times I would troop with um, Garrison Titan, which is in Washington state, like they would right. have like, you know, rosters on their forum. And if you do this shift in this booth, then you could get a ticket and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've got a wife and kid now. And it's, it's really hard for me to like lock down, you know, different strokes for different folks, different families, yeah, different dynamics. Right. So it's very hard for me to say like, we're all going to this convention and I'm going to smoke bomb out for like six hours. Bye. <laughs> like sure, I just, sure. I can't really do that. Yeah. Um, but um, I would love to go to Emerald city comic con again. Um, I have never gone to San Diego comic con and I would love to, um, yeah. but I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? I, I, I should, probably should have taken advantage of that. Like I guess back, um, I mean, you obviously pre COVID, but like when I was actively working in the games industry, you could do like the industry, a pass or something like you could apply to get a pass if you're like some sort of industry person oh um, yeah sure sure yeah right but and then but now i'm like hey does that still apply to me because i do right. some stuff for tv and film like could i could i exhibit do that? Or pass um, or something yeah yeah i don't know so um hmm. 
we'll see. It's definitely yeah. one that I've always wanted to check out. I've also wanted to. I've never gone to Dragon Con. I would love to check out Dragon Con sometime. Down too. in Atlanta, yeah. I've yeah. I know I've heard. I've I think after this, you know, and I've connected with so many people through this podcast and then just through this hobby that you know I would love. I think I might want to start traveling a little bit more after this is all done to just kind of go meet up with some people because it really has made the community smaller and it's been great to have in-depth conversations with people uh, that share these passions. And, and, and I, I just, and part of the reason why I started this podcast was to highlight some of the people who do incredible work and, and showcase the, the history of, how people got to where they got to be. And I think it's really cool to share that. So Terry, again, thank you for, for spending so much time with me and, and telling me a little bit more about your past. It's, it's shocking almost at how though we're on different ages of different decades, our paths are very similar. And I think that's awesome and absolutely so glad that we got to have a conversation about that. So I hope, I hope we can, uh, you know, maybe push Mongo. I hope we could, uh, enjoy, enjoy our love of, of, you know, sci-fi and cinema and nerding out over details of if it's not Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, then I'm sure it will be sure. everything Star Wars moving forward. So Terry, let's do a lightning round. I ask you a couple of questions. You go ahead and sure. let them rip and, uh, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here so we can I can I'm looking at man I'm looking at almost two hours going man I got a lot to edit here but it's all good stuff so we're you don't gonna need do a to edit anything just let it just just let it, it go baby <laughs> yeah just do it live all right Terry let's do this lightning round man <laughs> Terry you get to be a background character in one Star Wars movie across the entire saga which film do you pick. Oh, God. I think everyone would say A New Hope, and I think I would normally say A New Hope, but like Rogue One is now my sort of second favorite Star Wars film. Yeah. And I would love to be like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that would be, but like I would love to be, that would, if, if I had a background, be some guardian of the will sweeping the steps of the... <laughs> sure, on Jetta. Yeah, that would right, be amazing. Right. Yeah, or right. like, you or know, you're, the, or, what, when they're cooking, you know, like you go through the stalls, the food stalls, and they're cooking right. up a tentacle thing or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. There you go. That's a great answer. Yep. Yes. You get to access the Lucasfilm archives to check out one costume up close. Which do you choose? C-3PO. Good C-3PO. guess. Yeah. I, well, I'd say that's a good choice. That is a good choice. Yes. And I think as someone who's not really a 3PO builder... I would just love to be like, what the hell did they make half of that costume out of? Yeah. It's uh, like everything is like custom. And you, I don't know if you know this, like from other droid builders and stuff, but um, they, in the 70s, the, the, the British, uh, they gave up their like space aeronautics program. So yeah. you had these like engineers that were essentially out of work. So like at the time, they were the ones that were hired to work on the droids. So if you look at like R2-D2 and C-3PO, and I believe the company is Norank Engineering, okay. if you look at like the original, like original R2-D2, those panels are like perfectly curved and those panel lines are perfect. And there's little tiny screw bolts holding those panels on. And it like, when you think about it, you're like, oh my God, that's like what the outside of like a space shuttle thing would be right right because literally that's what what they did did. yeah so like c-3po's arms are aluminum 
they're like engineered aluminum, right? And like everything has to like just like work perfect. Sure. Like all those little ribbing and gears, everything was like machined to like super high tolerances. Oh. The shoulders were like these uber thin bearings. They're called Kadon right. bearings. It's like, I'd love to see that stuff. Now I, I would, I love, you know, Chirrut Inway as a character. Again, just like, it was crazy because it's like, I grew up with like martial arts films. So it's like, oh my God, you're telling me Donnie Yen. Yes. An yes. Asian person is going to yes. be in Star Wars. Like my head right. just, exp- just exploded. <laughs> sure. So, um, but I've literally like, I've researched that costume like so much. I know it intimately inside and out and it would be great to see it. But like, it's been really interesting. Like when you say like, oh, you know, in this age of like, you know, high def and, you know, does this still hold up anymore? I've seen displays where I can tell the difference between um, they've made a version of the costume for like traveling displays. Yes. And then there's right, the original sure. one. Yeah. And there's just like little subtle things that I can pick out and and I can tell like instantly which one is which. Whereas like, I just feel like with C-3PO, there is a very deep history because he transcends like so many films. Right. And I mean, you've I've seen the, You've seen like the crinkly shorts, like, um, yeah, you know, the meme card where it's like a play, Star Wars trading card where it totally, yeah. looks like, totally looks like he's got like a boner or whatever, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, no, yeah. it's like he was like soaking in that oil bath for so long. The, the shorts like exploded and cracked and caused this like piece to stick out, yeah, the but it's a like, card. Yeah. All, all this like crazy history up to like the sequel ones where everything was like remodeled in 3d from right. scratch because right. Anthony Daniels posture changed. So like, to me, like to examine one, I mean, I, that's not really one costume anymore. That's like six or seven different versions. Right. But I think there's that history there, that thread from like the original trilogy all the way through to the sequels. is like really fascinating for me. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm giving really long-winded answers. This no, is not really a great. round. This is more of a slow <laughs> building storm that just keeps going. You don't know rolling when it's going to end. It's rolling yes. thunder here. Well, Terry, if you could keep one prop from the Lucasfilm archives, which <sighs> prop do you take home? Um, Chirrut Imwe's light bow. I think. Good choice. Or the the, old, the tie the tie fighter, uh, you know, blaster itself. Where he he just it's the yes. no look. Well, he can't yep. look anyways, but right. it's the no look shot. Are you kidding? That, I'm blind. Yes, yes. I mean, or I mean, <clears throat> would would Grogu count? Uh, technically a prop. Yes. Yeah. Good question. He's a puppet. He's a puppet, yeah. right? There's okay, a few so, too many. There's a yeah. few too many. But I, yeah. I, I, what I think is interesting about. Um, and I, and I have, I, I, I built a light, a Jared Inway's light bow. I'm like looking at it right now, <laughs> but like, it's, uh, it's really interesting to me because like a lot of it is actually supposed to look like, you know, like you, I, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like, you, you go to like someplace and you'll see like fancy, like old Chinese furniture or Japanese, mm-hmm. like wooden bowls, you know how they're kind of like lacquered where you can see the wood grain Right. Still and um but it's got like little inlays. It's got like yeah. painted like yeah. gold or whatever. Right. And like if you look at the light bow carefully, it's not like it doesn't look like metal. It's it, yeah. it looks like this weird amalgamation of different materials. And I could totally see that. It's like this sort of like, you know, quote unquote 
Shanghai or Tibetan monk version of this ancient right. weapon. And like that to me is really neat. Um, you know, or his staff, right? Like yeah. I think is it's just this gnarled piece of wood with this thing on top. But like it's not like your typical, like, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, Mandalorian's like Ambin pulse rifle. Like it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But like it's pretty like on the nose in terms of yeah, like, sure. that's a very Star Warsy thing. Right. I, I sort of like these that they're sort of like they're a little different. They're not what you expect. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure. Sorry, some... again, I'm explaining. My wife's no, gonna be like she's like she's like, You're gonna make this whole podcast thing really long, aren't you? And I'm like, I can't help it. I just I just no, this it just is, keeps this coming is, out. These are Star Wars <laughs> conversations, honey. This is the way it always goes. Whenever I talk with other people that are just like me. Um yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm sure that there's some cool backstory of, you know, it's Warsherwood or something that the you know sure. guys, something. I I love something like that. So uh Terry, are you a lightsaber or a blaster at your side kind of guy? I don't know why this is so difficult. I'd That's say lightsaber. I think is it's there lightsaber. anyone's lightsaber in particular across the saga that you particularly are fond of? I I really like Ahsoka's. Not the which, um, which version? Yeah, not the not the. Um, sorry, I don't know the names, but like I don't. Um, not the fulcrum sort of like samurai ones, yeah. But the previous one with the two bunny ears, with the yeah. I can't remember what the name of that the slender right. one, yeah. Um, I loved the, the that blue and she, the green one, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. love that there was like it, and it's total like George Lucas, Dave Filoni, samurai, right. even the, yeah. the newer ones. But like that's like Dai Show, right? Which is like the right. long and the short, right? Yeah. So she's got a long sword and a short sword, and then she's got her reverse grip. I, I love just the shape of that. And yeah. um, I love that it, you know, it's obviously inferred, but like she's got the double rabbit ears and it's like the Graflex, which is right. Luke's, right. which is Anakin's has, yeah, it's got the very rabbit cool. ears, right? So, yep. Yep. Yeah, it's very, really like very smart too. design details for sure. So yes, across, yes. across Star Wars, we know droids as companions. Which droid do you take with you on your next journey, Terry? <sighs> See, I would I would sort of naturally say C three PO because I, I he's literally like my my favorite character um, in the Star Wars universe. But uh, I could see him getting really annoying. <laughs> um, and it might be a toss up between C three PO and BB eight actually. Oh, okay. If, Very if, good. I to, if I had to pick one, I'd have to pick C. I can't. Okay. All right. That's your answer. I, I was going to say with your with your love of Rogue One, I'm surprised K2SO didn't make it up there, but I guess that <sighs> K2 and 3PO both have enough sass built in. So yeah, I, I can love see one K2SO. or the other. Yeah. I, I really like them, but I, I think I grew up. So here's the thing. I grew up obviously in the original, with the original trilogy. My right. first Star Wars action figure is was C3PO. And that wasn't oh, by, yeah. like, by choice. It was like sure. a... It was like a hidden oh, just decision, know, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, might have been like a, a stocking stuffer, a hidden gift, or something like that. Right. But um, yeah, I think subconsciously, yeah, it was. Uh, I love that. That's one. Uh, if you have the option to work on a on a Star Wars film or a project as a freelancer, which role would you want? Sorry, like you're talking about like job. Sort yeah, of I'm titled saying you, kind you, of thing. Uh, like, yeah, you are you are a creative person. You are a, a designer. You are a multifaceted creative person. If you got the opportunity to work on Star Wars, Terry, which role would you like to to work on Star Wars as? <laughs> I don't know. It's like 
your lightning round has totally been destroyed. Um, because I, I have to think about this stuff. It's important, right? That's um, okay. Part of me, part of me thinks like prop, you know, department. But I, you know, nowadays it's called specialty costume, you know, special specialty costume fabricator or something. Sure. To me, that's very relatable. Um, now, I wouldn't call myself a costume designer um, in the traditional sense. Like, I'm not a film, I'm not trained in, in TV and film traditionally. Um, sure. And I, I would never, I would never uh, take that title from, from someone who's super experienced in that. Um, but in terms of like the conceptual design of concept art, of creating these characters, um, that's, that one's really tough because like that's where the character is born. Right, that's where the idea comes from. Right, but then the 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 specialty costume department, like they're the fabricators, they're the ones that make that happen. Right. Yeah. So to me, like Dave Filoni gave birth to um, Bo-Katan. Right. But like, but like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Ironhead was it Ironhead? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. That, 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 right. That, that that it's like those are just beautiful costumes. They're, For real. Yeah. They're stunning. Yeah. Stunning. Um. Yeah. So probably the costume, costume department. I love that. And I learned that. I learned that in my episode with Drew Hart. I learned that Ironhead actually only did the female Mandalorians, and right. uh, and and Axe Woves was done by Legacy because they pretty much had already had the original designs for they Death Watch. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so they did thought, all the other Mando's. Um, the, the COVID, other, uh, yeah, plan. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was that was super cool. Um, so Terry, the last one is very easy, but I have a feeling because you're a super Star Wars fan, you might get it convoluted. You get to pilot <laughs> any ship from Star Wars, Terry. What do you choose? I think previously I would have said Millennium Falcon, and now that it's gone. I miss the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest is such a cool yeah. design. Um, yeah, I love that it was not, you know, much like the Millennium Falcon. That it's people are like, "Why are you explaining this?" Just answer the question. I just, I feel like I have to get this out. Like, I, you know what this is? This comes from my graphic design background. Okay, I, I have to explain this. So, like, when we went to school. You know, oh, it's a project. It's a poster for uh, blah blah blah. This thing, and it's like you would have to get in front of the class, in front of thirty people and two yes. instructors, and you would have to pitch your concept. And this is like, I, right. I as a kid, as a young kid, I had a really hard time um, with public speaking. I had a really hard time. I was shy. You know, if you're like, oh, do a presentation in front of class, this is like, I'd rather die. Like, you know, this is awful, right? This is the worst thing that could. And I had a real problem with that. And um, full circle, like skateboarding actually helped me with that. I, I yeah. um, skated everything, right? You know, street and mini ramp and we had this park, but I did freestyle a lot. And actually I still volunteer with this this uh, contest called the World Roundup, which is like one of, the, one of the few sort of international contests that still does holds freestyle contests. And I had... I decided one year I went to watch this contest. Sorry, I don't know why. I have to get this out. Um, I did this contest, and and please do. Uh, I watched this contest. I'm like, I'm gonna do that next year. So I like practiced all year, and I decided to enter myself. I didn't even tell my family that I was doing this. I just like took the bus and and I entered. 
Um, and I told them the day, I think the day of or something, I'm going to enter this thing. And I, and I got second place and I, I had this weird sort of epiphany moment where it's like skating and I was doing this routine. And then I looked up and I, there was like a thousand people in this place and it didn't, I was able to just like focus and block it out. And then like from that day on, I was able to do it. It was like no problem. So, um, and then going through school, always having to like pitch these concepts all the time, it just started to get easier. Yeah, and easier. Right. So now it's become ingrained into me that I sure. have to like explain everything. And I apologize for anyone that's listening. It's like, I have to like get this out. I have to like, <laughs> it's almost like I have to talk it out to talk myself into it, you know, otherwise I can't get it out. Um, so sorry. Yes, yes Terry, you are I definitely a designer for sure. Um, it, I think it used to be Millennium Falcon <laughs> and I, I still love the Millennium Falcon. But yeah, Razor Crest. I think both were freighters. So they were neither was intended as a, yeah. as a fighter or a warship, right? And Han Solo, it's like he's a smuggler. So you would a semi truck for that, right? Like or a tanker boat. Like you're not gonna right, use some right. warplane. And then right. the Mandalorian, he's got this I think it's supposed to be like some bulk cargo cruiser or something, right? He's supposed to be carrying cargo. Right. But he's outfitted it with all these blasters and stuff. And I just love the design of it. Um there's um design aesthetic. I don't know if you're familiar with this where it's like you know we relate to birds a lot so when there's wings on a ship or something that flies when it's upswept it's very positive and um it's very um commanding good because like you're it's uplifting and then when you think of like star trek when it's right. like a romulan bird of prey where the wings are down it's like that's the bad guy it's like negative it's like it's above you right like it's oppressive it's like it's very much like car language when you look at the front of a car there's like a face to it right like it's like that very much that same thing and i like i really like that about both of those ships but the razor crest to me looks like a it's like a minivan right it's like someone like he he took someone's minivan yeah, and yeah. he converted it to this thing and um and i miss it i don't know what they're going to do like i i was really whatever that was the second last episode of that last season. And, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, man, you know, and I, I know negative bad things had to happen for, for us to be uplifted. Right. But like, oh man. And then he's, sure, like, sure. he's like, he's like kicking through the dirt, you know, finding like nuts and bolts. <laughs> he gets Finds the, yeah, yeah. It's like the only thing that's left. I'm like, oh, right. that was devastating for me. So yeah, long story. Sorry. I go into like my, you know, Razor, razor crest, razor crest. Yeah. i like it i, I I'm, <laughs> I'm into it i'm into it well terry it, it has been uh, it has been a fantastic conversation that i've had with you and you know i, I again i just want to say thank you for being patient for being who you are as both a dedicated customer but also just being a great steward for this hobby. I feel like that's really important to remind people that all of the work that's gone into over explaining and answering the same question that gets asked a little bit every day and every week on the, on the groups, um, to have patience, to not just say, man, right. it's in the, it's in the notes, just read the fricking notes. Um, I, I have to, I have to commend you for your patience because you're always available for people to ask more questions, reach out. So it's been awesome learning your story, Terry, and it's been really cool being able to connect with you on this level. So thank you so much for, for sitting with Armor Party and, and having conversations. I can tell that there, there could be many, many, many more hours 
uh, and, and a roundtable discussion that I hope we get to have in person in the future. Uh, and, but but more so too, Harry, where can people find you right now? What are you working on? Where where could people interact with with Panda Props and and specifically get to know more of the incredible amount of vast work? Sure, that you've done? yeah, you can find me um, on uh, Instagram. So it's I'm I'm at Panda Props mm, Costumes with an N. Um, and, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page for Panda Props and Costumes. And of course my YouTube channel is Panda Props and Costumes on YouTube. Excellent. Well, Terry, if, if there's anything else that you'd like to, to add to the conversation, I think we're coming up on almost three hours here, which means that there's lots and lots that people get to dive into, which is awesome. And you are by far the longest conversation we've had. And it's <laughs> all to, to, to quote it as maybe a. Uh, punk rocker that that rode your skateboard it has certainly been all killer no filler so yes. absolutely thank you for being on the show and thank you for being on armor party and we can't absolutely i'm so excited to see more of your work and more of i'm now i'm just actually salivating over seeing how awesome the c3po costume is going to be so it's going to be awesome then, then it now, was but, but, a pleasure to, for you to have me on your show. Oh, that's Please excellent. let me introduce myself. I am C-3PO, Human Cyborg Relations. We have it. You heard it here. If this costume <laughs> isn't done, people are going to listen to Armor Party and go, Terry, you're, you're, being, too nice. you're being too nice to the community. You're, you're adding too much to these <laughs> other groups. Build that C-3PO. I'm, I'm so excited. So, Terry, thank you I again. Thank I lo- you for I look forward to. I look forward to seeing you in the groups. And that is a wrap on our episode with Panda Props. Did you hang out for all of it? You know, when I usually edit, I try and figure out what parts can be cut out to to make it a little bit shorter. But I felt like everything that Terry said had some relevance to someone out there. And I hope that you were enlightened. I hope that you were motivated to give back to the costuming community just like Terry does. A few things to share before I go. Give our friends and thank the maker a listen as we discuss celebration plans. We're going to be throwing in a meetup, get together over celebration, and it's going to be a ton of fun. Give them a follow at Thank the Maker Pod on Instagram and find Thank the Maker wherever you listen to podcasts. Our intro and outro music was done by my talented childhood friend, Alton James. Reach out if you're looking for original scores for your Star Wars fan film. You know, sound and music truly do make the biggest difference in making an amazing final product. So hit Alton up. He is a total geek, my kind of person. Obviously, if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, you know that we're all kind of in the same boat. So find Alton at Alton underscore James on Instagram to hear more of his work and work together with him. He will make something amazing for you. I guarantee it. Find us on Armor Party Show on Instagram. We've been loving getting tagged in all your builds. I'm always so blown away to see the variety of costumes in all different stages. You guys absolutely rule. We'll see you again in two weeks for our next episode of Armor Party. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forster, reminding you that being an adult is boring, but building Star Wars armor is anything but.
everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs>